0: Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. <laughs> hey,
1: everybody! It's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Out in the Night Owl, you're tuned in to Talk, 657-383-1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Pucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews for professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard.
2: And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts. Keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Restor Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. What is up, restaurant Talk Podcast family? How in the heck is everybody doing on this Tuesday night, ladies and gentlemen, episode Two hundred and ninety-nine. Let me repeat that. Episode two hundred and ninety nine. One episode away from episode three hundred of the rest of talk podcast with Joe and Renee. And I can't tell you how much how happy that I am to to be able to say that this is episode two hundred and ninety-nine. Like we're we real there, ladies and gentlemen. We are there. It's going to be a great night tonight. we got the High Spot segment. we got the Shoot and Shout segment. we got the Wrestling Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. we got the Fantasy Wrestling segment, and that's not enough. It's at 8.15, we've got Jeff Manning. At 8.45, we've got Ricky Mandel coming on. And then at 8.30, we've got Darren Corbin coming on. It's going to be an absolute Amazing, amazing, amazing show. Let me go ahead and bring in the man, the myth, the legend, the nighter. And tell me, hit that music. <laughs> Take this thing off, bite. Que pasa, que
1: pasa, que pasa, loyal members of the Wrestle Talk family. It is your boy, The Night Owl, checking in from the heartland of the United States, good old Kansas City, along with my partner in crime, Nightmare Jones, hailing out of Martinsburg, West Virginia. Man, I'm having a great night, bro. Uh, Super excited to talk all things professional wrestling with you. And you can talk with me, and I can talk with you if you dial 657-383-1521. And I don't know what my
2: partner's doing. It sounds like he's eating cornflakes in the
1: middle of the broadcast. We're going to try to figure out what the hell no, is going on over there. No, is there a, or, but I'm, is there is I'm getting, in the middle of West Virginia? Was, what the hell
2: you got going on over there, Jonesy? I was getting my notes for the for the guest. Like, I've got a lot of notes for the guest tonight. So, you know, I was just getting my notes. I apologize. got to flip,
1: flip through your notes during my introduction. It's fine. It's fine. You know what? Because that's not going to ruin my mood. Because bro, how could I not be in a great mood, man? Let me tell you about something incredible that happened. Good friend of ours, loyal you member of the Wrestle Talk okay? Loyal member of the Wrestle Talk family, Jonesy, DJ Stewart of Journey Pro Wrestler went into surgery today because f cancer. And bro, yes. first thing he did when he was out of surgery, and I don't know if it was the very first thing he did, but bro, he hit us back and showed love back to us, man. Even though he's going through all this. And, you know, outside of his personal help, you know, Journey hasn't been able to have a show. We heard that Candle Hall is no longer going to be their home. And the homies still had time to hit me back and go, bro, I appreciate you. Thank you. Let's go. Man, after hearing that, bro, I got nothing to complain about. I'm super-duper happy, and I get to hang out.
2: figured when I started this podcast that I was going to be, you know, up to episode 300. Like, it's it's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy.
1: Dude, it absolutely is. But you know what's not crazy, man? The loyalty that we see from the members of the WrestleTalk family, whether it's from the fantasy group, some of the talent that we've had an opportunity to interview, Uh, both inside and outside the ring talent, because this isn't a show where we're just going to, it's not just like wrestlers talking to other wrestlers. Man, we've talked to referees. We've talked to ring announcers, man. We've talked to trainers of the highest esteem. You know what I mean? And we've talked to great storytellers as well. So only God knows what's in store for episode 299, bro. But let me tell you one thing that we're going to do because we always do it properly, okay? We're going to give much love and respect to our wonderful sponsors and supporters. That's right, eSports Bar in Shawnee, Kansas. Shout-out to B-Will. Big shout-out to our boys down at the Oak Park Mall, Retro Case. All kinds of memorabilia, all kinds of cool stuff, man. Mega Man, Ninja Turtles, and, of course, nice. all wrestling memorabilia. Also, the Conspiracy Farm, huge news on their behalf, guys. The Conspiracy Farm with UFC Hall of Famer, Pat Milicic, and Jeffrey Wilson is now on DISH Network. They have now made the audio and the visual come together, and bro, they're going to be on Dish TV, and we could not be any happier for those guys over there, man. Last but not least, of course, dude, we got to give a big shout-out to Royal Mills Transportation and Rap Bums Engraving, which is guaranteed to make your beverage or ice cream float taste 17.5% better. Isn't that right, Nightmare.
2: Absolutely. You know, I, I've I've actually heard that it makes sure your, your beer taste ninety percent better. Like like they've actually done more tests and they upped it. It's ninety percent better now. Ninety.
1: Ninety percent better. Okay, well I gotta <laughs> I gotta I gotta go back and look at the studies. Okay, I gotta go back and look at the studies. And you know what, dude, I forgot something. I feel so bad. If you love the WrestleTalk podcast but you want a kind of a football twist, make sure you check out our boys over at Talking Dynasty, my man Adam Fresh. And the boys, he always has different guests on, which makes the show super unique. It's him and a bunch of his buddies and sometimes somebody different. So make sure you check them out on Facebook. Uh, SoundCloud is where you can find some of their episodes. Make sure you tell them that the Wrestle Talk podcast sent you. Well, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to kind of take a, 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 an unfortunate turn during this segment of the show because typically we get into the Carl Lewis and start having a lot of fun, but with the Owen Hart documentary that I just saw from from, uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I just saw that today. To uh, Hannah from Stardom, um, you know, taking her own life because of cyberbullying. Chad, uh, who passed away in the most heroic fashion that one could imagine by saving his son from drowning out in the Pacific Ocean. So what we're going to do as we gather all this information, we're going to do what I believe is the right thing, Joe, and I know you 100% agree with me. We're going to go ahead. Before we start the shenanigans and the fun, and, and again, we want to talk to you guys. I see a lot of people on, a lot of people who love wrestling, and we want to engage with you. So, again, 657-383-1521. We'll get you on real quick or whatever. Whatever you want to do, we just want to have you on. Join us and uh, and, uh, let's talk some wrestling. But before we get to that, we're going to hit the honorary 10-bell salute in order, you know, to serve as like a memorial for all these amazing people that have contributed to our lives via the sport of professional wrestling. So I ask everybody, if you're wearing a cap or whatever, please remove it as we hit the honorary 10-bell salute.
2: fire of saying that Nia Jax is a unsafe worker. Um, I don't feel Nia Jax is unsafe. I just feel that, that she's very, very unlucky when it comes to matches because it seems that a lot of like there's been a couple times where somebody's gotten injured because of Nia Jax. I'm not saying that she's an unsafe worker, but there are a lot of people that are saying that Nia Jax is an unsafe worker. And when you have this kind of stuff happen, that just puts more fuel to that fire. If you know what I'm talking about, Night Out. Well, I
1: do, Josie. And you know what? I've heard it for a long time about Nia Jax. I want to know what the members of the Rest of Talk Daily feel about it because I got a caller right now, just a few moments away from bringing on um, uh, Jeff Manning, that loves Nia Jax. He's actually a big Nia Jax fan. So before I give you my two cents, Let's go ahead and bring on a longtime listener and supporter of the Talk Podcast, our buddy Chris Miller, checking in from the Eastern Panhandle. What's up, Chris? What do you think, man? I know you love Nia Jack, but is she dangerous in the ring? Yes or no?
3: (laughs) How you doing? How you doing? Yes. uh, I am a huge fan of her. Um, I love her work. Um, Like Joe said, you know, the the things that have happened, I feel like she, she could be... Unfortunately, it, it comes to being at the wrong spot at the wrong time. Um, not fully saying that she's, you know, careless because I don't feel like she's fully careless in, in the ring. But uh, there are times where I feel like she you know, like anybody and everybody, she be a little bit more safer. So, I, I mean, it's a yes and no kind of question, if that makes sense. Well, it absolutely does. And I appreciate those
1: thoughts, Chris. We're going to talk to you again here later on in the show. Uh, But listen, Joe, here's what I'm going to say It walks like a duck It talks like a duck Okay. But at the same time Her style lends itself To provoking More injury Than somebody like Alexa Bliss For example She is the monster that's supposed to be Throwing these chicks around So by nature She's more likely to injure somebody Now when you look at somebody Like Seth Rollins I think that argument holds maybe a little bit more water because he's a smaller guy. So why is he hurting people so often if he's not that big menacing powerhouse like Nia Jax? That's an interesting question. Here's the other thing um, that I wanted to talk about here quickly. I want to throw this subject out, okay? And I hear people here on the uh, on the live feed saying that Nia Jax is clumsy. I've seen some clumsiness. I'm not going to deny it. Here's mm-hmm. what I want to know. For anybody who saw AEW – how did you feel about Nyla Rose losing the Women's Championship? Were you relieved? Were you happy it was finally over? There was a lot of controversy revolving around her, you know, being born a man, now, uh, you know, proclaiming to be a woman as Women's Champion. There was a lot of people upset with it. Are you finally satisfied? All you're bitching and complaining, is it, is it, are you done? She's no longer champion. Can you just let the woman be in peace? Or do you want more? Do you want her out of the women's division at AEW? Joe, before we go to Jeff, man, I got to ask you that question. I know you're a Nyla Rose fan. She's actually even working yes. in your area. You might even work the show with Nyla Rose. My question yes. is, Joe, how did you feel when you saw Nyla lose the women's championship, which, by the way, um, she does awesome. And a lot of people are saying that either that match was the match of the night or the Jungle Boy MJF was the match of the night. And a lot of people make a great case for it, but let's not get into
2: that. What is your thoughts on Nyla Rose? Yeah, um, you know, here's my my thing with Nyla Rose losing. You know, once again, people can't say that Nyla Rose has a unfair advantage because that was was everybody's number one thing. Oh, you know she's a man, and, and so she has an unfair advantage. But yet, the same person that they say has an unfair advantage was beat by somebody that weighed 100 pounds, so congrats. And then last Saturday, she was beat again by somebody that that considerably weighs less than what she does. So that whole thing of Nala Rose having a a uh, advantage is is pretty much thrown out of the window uh you know I, I kind of feel bad because she's constantly getting a lot of heat you know I was going through the uh, threads and like after that 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 match you know you had people commenting, but at least finally a e w has a woman that's that that's the the woman's champion and and so you know it's just I feel bad for her, but you know she's got. Really, really thick skin, and she doesn't let that kind of stuff get to her. So, you know, kudos to Nyla Rose for doing what she needs to do. And
1: you know what <sighs> I going to say is, I to say this. I think that, say what you will, Nyla Rose has helped elevate the women's division in AEW. Whether you like her as a champion or not, the level of competition definitely went to another level. And you know what was really sad? I was really looking forward to seeing Britt Baker, and we didn't get to see that, okay? Yes. We really didn't. We really did not. And, you know, I know there are Penelope Cruz uh, fans out there, okay? The, those, these are the same people that think that the uh, the moon is pink. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. She did a okay job of filling in for Britt Baker, but I really wanted uh, to see her face off against uh, Starlander, I think her name is. She's fantastic, yeah. Statlander. Stat Statlander. That would have been a fantastic match, as we see AEW's women's division continue to take steps in the right direction. All right. All that said, yeah. we're gonna to get to the phone call. I, I still have two, three callers waiting to get on. koB will be your first in that line. I do okay. have tight.
2: I what? do have uh, uh, one more uh, topic that that I wanted to talk about, and it's a pretty big. Big big topic, um, you know, and then we we can get uh, get get uh, get K-O-B on and and get get his thoughts uh, because this uh, actually pertains to uh, pro wrestling podcast. So are you ready for this, Renee? Now you I'm may have ready heard this. You, brother. Okay, so there's a podcast called Off of the the Script Podcast. It's by a guy named uh, JD from New York 206. Uh, this guy he's got. It. A pretty good good following on on Twitter. He's got thirty thousand followers, and then on YouTube, he's got over one hundred and sixteen thousand followers. So you know he's he's got a lot of people that 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 are watching his his podcast. Well, so, apparently he decided to make uh, light of of something in one of his recent podcasts, and he decided to go after Alexa Bliss. And this is basically what he said. He said. She does nothing. She does nothing. She's just, I guarantee you, she's one of those women that just lays there and takes it. She does nothing. Can you imagine being in bed with Alexa Bliss, and she performs the same way she does in the ring? Awful. <laughs> All looks and no substance whatsoever. Now, you know, you and I do a, a, a podcast, and we have, you know, a, a, a fairly really good uh Listener uh, ratio. When you're doing the podcast, you can't be saying stuff like that because you're going to get nothing but heat from it. That's not going to bring any comedy. That's not going to bring people in. That's going to actually going to make people leave. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts because Alexa Bliss has already stated, you know, how dare he do do. Say say something like that, and then she blocked him on Twitter forever. And he's been getting a lot of, of of heat, and he's actually been getting death threats. So, you know, what were your thoughts, Renee?
1: How dare he exercise his First Amendment right? What the hell's wrong with that guy? Okay, everybody relax. Here's all I'm gonna say. Okay, and everyone's going to hate me for this, which most of you already do. That's fine. Okay? That's what happens when you turn gymnasts into professional wrestlers. Okay? He is classless. He is tasteless. He does fit the stereotypical jerk that lives down in his mom's basement. I'm not arguing against that. Okay? I'm not trying to justify what this guy said. He exercises First Amendment right, and, and people are exercising to exercise their First Amendment right, and the guy is an absolute asshole, general consensus says, okay? But I agree with his analysis of Alexa Bliss. When was the last time you saw an Alexa Bliss match and you were at the edge of your seat like, oh, my gosh, who's going to win this freaking pro wrestling match? No, dude. No, because you know it's going to go one of either way. Either she's going to cheat the win, okay, or she's going to do that thingy that she does off the top rope, which is a gymnast thingy, okay? The girl cannot have matches the way that Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte, and Becky have.
2: And anybody who wants
1: to make the argument to me that she's on the same level as them, physically, I'll listen to that. I will because I'm a man who listens to reason. But as far as her ability to tell the story in the ring, and you know what, we're going to ask Jeff Manning about this. I don't know if he follows the current product, but there's a difference. When women were fighting back in the biz okay, when the the sport was more about what was going on in the ring and not how you look when you were coming down to the ring, there was a certain amount of substance that had to take place inside the squared circle, okay? She can't tell a story in the ring to save her effing life And that's what this idiot podcaster Was trying to say See if you want to explain to you Eloquently With a little bit of decorum That's why you come to the Talk Podcast Because we're going to give you the same takes That these hand jobbers are going to give you But we're going to give them to you From a grown person's perspective That's what we do here on the WTP Nightmare Joke Those are my thoughts bro but I'm ready for Jeff Men. I'm ready
2: Yeah, absolutely. All
1: right.
2: All right, so, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do right now is we're going to go ahead and bring on the one and only Jeff Manning. This this gentleman has done it all. He's been a disc jockey. He's... He's been a pro-wrestling promoter. He's been a referee. He's been a, a manager. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Wrestling Talk Podcast's honor to bring in the one, the only, Jeff Manning. Oh, my goodness, Jeff. How's it going still? Welcome to the podcast.
4: God, I hate that music to this day. What are you guys trying to do? Kill me already. I mean, Renee, you're <laughs> you're just not controversial enough, pal. I I mean, really, you, you, you need to really tell people how you feel, because I, I think you're way too shy to be doing what you're doing here, pal. Way too shy.
0: <laughs> I do have yeah. one
4: comment real quick on the Alexa it, Bliss please. stuff, and this is going to sound – I'm probably like you, Renee. People – love to hate me or just flat out hate me. There's a difference between sports entertainment and professional wrestling. I think Alexa is sports entertainment with a dash of pro wrestling. Uh, I prefer pro wrestling with a nice dash of sports entertainment. I think that's that's probably where people are not maybe seeing what they want to see. Just my opinion. Take it for what it's worth.
1: Well, well said. Morty Lynch, a.k.a. Jeff Manning, coming in with a hot take. Tell you, best guess in the business, guys. Best guess. But I'm going to go ahead and, and let Joe lead this off. Joe, I know you've been very excited to talk to Jeff. I mean, you're talking about yeah. a guy that dates uh, back, you know, 25, 30 years in the business, or well, in the entertainment business All right, don't push
4: it. I mean, I, I realize I'm, I'm, you know, probably older than you guys combined, but, you know, show a little respect if I'm that old, huh? <laughs>
1: hey, hey I'm, I'm saying it as <laughs> I throw flowers at your feet. You deserve every moment of adulation. You have contributed to the business like few have. I and mean, you should take pride in each and every one of those
4: years, sir. I appreciate it, and I really do. It's been uh, it's it's been a ride. And by the way, the moon is pink. I was listening. That is correct. The moon is pink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's when you have a nice away, man.
4: well, if 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 you have a good bottle of whiskey, it's pink. I know that for sure. Anyway, go ahead, Ooh. Joe. I'm I'm ready for All your right. questions. Try not to make them too hard. It's almost past my bedtime out here in the West Coast. Uh, you know, five five man, thirty is it's nap time.
1: I, I oh, by come. the
4: way, Joe. Yes.
1: Joe, real quick, uh, we have a new listener, uh, Brady, checking in from Canada tonight. Brady, blessings to you, brother. We love you.
2: Our partners awesome. in
1: the north, you guys are fantastic. Thank you for checking out the Wrestle Talk podcast. Go ahead, Joey, take it away.
2: All uh, right. So you know you. You you actually uh, uh have been a, a a disc jockey and and I wanted to know how does somebody go from being a disc jockey to going into the pro wrestling business. One of those weird
4: things I was doing a radio gig in beautiful Stockton, California, the armpit of the Central Valley in California, and they asked me <laughs> to bring to train a new guy who was coming in. By the name of Pat Kelly, and Pat was doing some ring announced work at the Cow Palace in San Francisco and I'd nice. always been a big wrestling fan, and so I kind of trained him in the radio biz, and for better or worse, he got me in the wrestling biz. It's weird, and that's been i'll be honest over forty years ago
5: awesome and awesome. pat and now yeah, Pat's involved it.
4: with a promotion um I forget what it's called, but they're out of Sacramento, California. it's a brand new promotion, of course, we're all shut down here like most people are, so uh, yeah. But we're hoping. But that's how i that, thats how I made that unlikely transition.
2: Okay, I—that's I, I you know that that's that's absolutely awesome being in the wrestling business for for that long. So in the, the the wrestling business, obviously you are not Jeff Manning. You portray the character Morty Lipschitz, and um. So, I guess my next question is. Who exactly for those that don't know is Morty
4: Morty is a well a semi-practicing attorney I'll tell you how Morty came about I was involved for a number of years with uh, Dave Marquez's championship wrestling from Hollywood and I was in there one day and they were looking for somebody to play a paramedic in a segment and I was just down there kind of helping out I said sure did that mm-hmm. Then the next taping, two weeks later, hey, we need somebody to play an attorney to to be a manager for this group, and they all look at me. Well, what's going to be next month? And they wanted to call this guy Morty, but everybody's got to have a last name. So I just came up, well, what about Lipschitz? One of the producers was screaming, you can't say Lipschitz on television. And I – back in those days, we had phone books, and I opened a phone book, and there were like three Lipschitzes in Southern California. So that's how Morty Lipschitz started. He – legally represented the uh oh, shall we say the less than stellar uh wrestling group and it just progressed from there i've been playing morty for probably nine years now
2: that's great you know i i i, I definitely love uh the managers in 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 pro wrestling that's something that you don't see very uh often in any more in the uh, WWE or even AEW days, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm old school. So, you know, I I remember, you know, people like Mr. Fuji and Bobby, the the brain heathen. And, you know, in today's project, uh, especially in like the, the big leagues, you don't see very many managers, uh, do 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 you think that there's been a decline in 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 managers as wrestling has progressed throughout the years?
4: Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, just as a, a matter of a quickie here, I also had the the real privilege of working with uh, Percy Pringle. Of course, it was Paul Bearer for WWE mm-hmm. for years. I think the problem is. Uh, and was that in the indie scene where people start as managers, managers forget, and I'll get yelled at for this by a lot of the boys, managers are not the stars of the show. Managers are great enhancement talent if they know what they're doing, but they can't sit there. And when there's a great a lot of action going on in the ring, go pull some shenanigans that take away from the boys in the ring. And I think managers, a lot of the guys, maybe they weren't, able to wrestle that well they wanted to manage and they still wanted to be the star of the show and i think that has led itself on to the big leagues where they're not really seeing people who have the skill of a bobby the brain or or Percy or whoever it is and i think that to me is why you're not seeing as many managers i've been out of it managing for a while but uh, dr luther who was with aew now was my booker and uh, ran my school and he knew that i'd manage Mm -hmm. and he said uh Morty, get your ass in the ring. I want you to manage this new kid that you found from Boston, and that was Channing Thomas who you guys had on about a month ago. And we hit it off as a team, and Luther loved it. And, you know, again, I stay out of the the spotlight. That's what a good Mm -hmm. manager does. He's there to help out when his guy or gal needs a little something to get the match going or, you know, they're just having a rest hold in some headlock and nothing's going on, then the manager can do something. And that was what I was taught years and years ago.
2: I, I 100% agree. I I, I could not agree more. Well, I don't want to take up all of the time because I know that we have a short amount of time. So, uh, Naina, why don't you go ahead and step in here with whatever questions that you have? So,
1: ah, uh, no, uh, thanks. Thanks a lot, Joe. Man, uh, great way to start us off there. Uh, so, Jeff, let me uh, get right into it. You brought it up, and I was real curious about this. You mentioned your interactions with the late great manager, uh, Paul Bear. Who many of us remember from the Attitude Era with the Undertaker? Can you tell us a little bit about spending time with him? Uh, was he a mentor to you? Uh, did you guys work alongside each other? Or is that this somebody that you looked uh, up when you were starting to get into the manager manager business? And no, so,
4: I. Uh, if, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep keep going. Just make this question so long I'll forget the first thing you asked. That's the way us old people are. But, uh, <laughs> go
0: right, ahead. Man, I'm great at that. <laughs>
4: Let no, me no, uh, tell you how we met, though. It's an interesting, quick story. And yeah. I'll tell you what how how uh, uh, Percy and I got along. I was uh, down at the Hollywood taping, and Dave Mark has said, "Hey, hey, Jeff, um, I got a couple guys. Uh, Adam Pierce's work with me, and 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 Percy, and a couple others. Uh, and he said, um, can you go pick them up at their hotel?'" And, of course, I said, I've got a small car. It's a rental. He said, Ah, oh, it'll be fine. So here I go, find him at the hotel. Here's Percy. He was back to 350 pounds. Adam Pierce's is not small. Called Cabana is not small. Uh, they've all got all their freaking baggage. And Percy jumps in the front seat, of course. And every, the, the guys are other – everybody's crammed in the back. I've got everything loaded on people's laps in the back. And Percy looks at me and says, is this the biggest fucking car you can find? And I'm looking at him, and it's like – okay, do I go for it or not? And I said, you know, I can strap your fat ass on that damn roof rack if you're not happy with it. Adam Pierce says, oh, Jesus Christ, Jeff, don't. And Colt says, you're in trouble. And I'm looking at Percy right in the face, and he says, I think we're going to get along just fine. Took my life in my hands with that <laughs> one. But, you know, honestly, we became friends. We were taping every uh, twice a month in L.A. We stayed at the same hotel. We really became good friends. Um, his dad was having medical issues. My mom was having medical issues. We shared uh, parental stories. We talk on the phone honestly twice a month. um I learned a lot from him. Obviously, I learned from everybody. You're never too old to learn from anybody. I don't care who it is, how long you've been in the business. And the thing that scared me one day, and this is another. I'll try and make this story quick. I don't want to. I want you to get through all your questions if you have them. We were. Percy walks up to me. He was managing one group. I was managing the other heel group. He says, "Hey Jeff, I want you to watch me during my match. And tell me what you think." Oh, yeah, me, Jeff Manning, basically an indie nobody, has to watch Percy Pringle, a.k.a. Paul Bearer, and tell him what I think of his managing. I said, if I say something that I see, are you going to hit me? (laughs) Because he likes to beat people up sometimes, for real. He said no. So I watched the match, and he was still amazing. I think the one thing he did because of his weight – and his size, he stayed in one spot the entire match, which means he's blocking in a small studio the same five or ten people from viewing what's going on in the mm-hmm. ring. And I, and I told him that and said, now, you promise you won't hit me? I told him, he said, God damn it, Jeff, you're right. So, and I said, well, I want you to watch me and when I do my match, because, I mean, you know, and I won't hit you either. I did my match, the first one, and he said, I can't really say much about it. Now watch my next match, Jeff, and he moved around again and we, you know, we each hugged at the end of the night and, and that's how you build friendships. And that's how you learn from, from, from anybody, you know, and that's my Percy pringle <laughs> <tell> <laughs> story. And I love it. I i miss Bad- him terribly.
1: Badass, dude. That, and th- thank you so much for sharing that, Jeff. Um, you know, it, it's so cool. I mean, I'm 35. Uh, Joe's just a couple of years older than I am. And I mean, that is, that is what we remember. That is everything for us, man. The Undertaker, Paul Bear, how creepy, the shriek, the scream, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it resonates with me uh, till today, and I know it does with a whole lot of other wrestling fans. So so thanks. Thank you for sharing you that. Uh, here's a question. He was an here's absolutely
4: amazing human being, too, for real. One of the I mean, nicest guys in the business I, mean. I ever met in my 30-plus
6: years.
1: Yeah, and strong genes, too. I remember when he, uh, when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, I believe they had his two sons Uh, induct him, and they look just like him, for anybody that remembers that. I mean, they are big dudes just like Percy, so definitely dude was a great guy, and he definitely had some strong genes as well, if I remember that correctly.
4: He did, he did. (laughs) Um, He was an asset to the business, he really was.
1: A question, well, let me move on uh, to my second question, and that is during this time, especially during the quarantine, Jeff, we've been Doing this deal where there wasn't as much wrestling for us to go to, to commentate on, and and to cover on the podcast. So what we got to doing is we got to covering the states, all 50 of them. And we've had several representatives from a couple of different states. I believe today we're getting two from the great state of California. Right after you, believe it or not, uh, we have Ricky Mandel coming on. Uh, He's from Nevada.
4: He is from Nevada right now. He's been in Nevada for about two years, I believe.
1: Oh, he's in Nevada now. Okay, okay awesome, because I know yep. he made a, a huge impact over uh, on the West Coast, particularly in California. Talk to us about that, because we know you, you, you've had your opportunity uh, to go elsewhere uh, just throughout your career. Can you define to anybody who's never had, like, a West Coast brand of professional wrestling, does it differ from anything else that you've seen around the country or maybe even the world?
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's way different, I'm going to be honest. Back in the old territory days, that was even back when I was young, the Pacific Northwest was probably one of the top three territories. Roddy Piper went through here, Jesse Ventura, you name it. All the big names went through here. Um, but uh, as time passed and Vince kind of ended the territory era, I'll be very honest, uh, the wrestling has gone downhill. We have We have some very talented people. Don't get me wrong. And I use as many of them as I can from the Northwest. But, um, and this is typical in a lot of the West coast. I'm seeing Washington, even parts of California, some very great talent, but a lot of the guys, if they train at all, they'll train for a month or two and say, okay, I want my main event. And I want to make 250 bucks. Um, it's a whole different way out here in the West coast. I've been out on the East coast. I'm working with some, some guys out of Colorado, whole different attitude. Maybe it's just all the sunshine in the West coast. Um, We have a school, and, you know, I can't get kids to drive 30 minutes to be trained by a Dr. Luther at AEW. You know, I mean, Mm. they all want to be stars, but they don't want to put in the time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You just can't train three times and go in and have a good match. It isn't going to happen. And that, to me, is where the West Coast has gone downhill. Uh, I know Colorado is up and down. I've worked in California, worked for another legendary guy, Jesse Hernandez. Uh, he and I worked about three or four years together down at Empire Wrestling down there. I wrapped a re-forward and helped out in the back a little bit. Um, he's an old-school teacher. His guys don't get into the ring until they're ready. Um, there's some other really good schools down there, uh, but there's a lot of people. Just because somebody is a wrestler doesn't mean he should open a school and be teaching people, um, and that's been going on an awful lot.
1: Well, that's really unfortunate, especially when there's so many, so many qualified instructors out there. Just here in our area, we're very blessed to have the Extreme Wrestling Center guys that have been in the business for a long time. Uh, Harley Racing yep. School isn't too far from here, uh, so you know, particularly in the St. Louis area, there's there's a lot of great options. We recommend anybody who's watching the show or listening, when um, you're thinking about getting into the business, go to a reputable school. Don't be a lazy ass. <laughs> right. And don't All be
4: right. afraid. No. Don't be afraid to drive. I had to take a 60 mile drive uh, in traffic mm-hmm. in central California to get to the Bay area to train two hours going one hour coming back. But I wanted to do this. So I did it. If you really and truly want to be in this damn business, Get your fingers out of your butt and work your ass off, and you have a pretty good chance to make it and be successful, period.
1: Well, and and you know what, Joe, I'm getting ready to throw over to you, but like um, Uncle Bob says, (laughs) do the drives, guys. And if you haven't been to a Bob Evans seminar, you know, he's a good friend of the show as (laughs) well. Get on the road and do the drives. That's where everything happens. Well, here's kind of my last question before I throw it back over to my partner in crime, Nightmare Jones. When I say – WCWC what comes to mind for you? Jeff?
4: Now you're saying WCWC as in me, or did you mean WCW people get us confused?
1: No, WCWC.
4: What do I, th- I think of an old school promotion? Our, 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 our moniker is old school wrestling with a new school twist back in the old days. Uh, a Luthez press was not, uh, that was great. It won't even be a practice move, a warm up move today, but our guys have to be able to actually wrestle in the ring and tell a story. Even if the matches don't have a storyline, they've got to tell the story from start to finish. Our venue holds about 275 people. We average 200 to 250. Uh, yes. I can actually make money doing that and pay the guys triple what anybody else pays them. But, I think old school concepts still can and should play today for a bit. It's what I was saying, Alexa being sports entertainment versus pro wrestling. There's nothing wrong with sports entertainment, but it really and truly is not what professional wrestling used to be. I think there's got to be a mix between the two. We're probably 75% pro 25% sports entertainment. And we've had loyal fans for all 15 years. We've been doing it. Again, we had a couple TV shows that did well with this concept, I think it still works, and, you know, we modify things as we go along, but I think conceptually we're not probably going to change once we start back up.
1: Well, that's awesome, and I know the loyal fans of WCWC are going to absolutely appreciate that. By the way, guys, make sure you look them up on social media, 15 years strong, and uh, Jeff is right in the middle of it. If you guys love that old-school hard-hitting wrestling where the guys tell stories, yeah, I mean, you heard him say it himself. That's what you need to do. You need to go on YouTube. Look up some matches and make sure that you
2: subscribe to their channel. Joe, why don't you jump back in here with any questions you might have? I do. I have one uh, one final question, and then, uh, you know. Uh, um, and then do I get my you, 30
4: seconds to bitch? I was told I didn't get 30 seconds to bitch, but I got my 30-second bitch. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Dude, if if right
0: I, I can. Do it. I you go, go first. I, I I'll ask
2: Joe. you. You, my final question, and then we can actually get into the shoot and shout segment where you can have 30 seconds to, uh, to bitch with, about. Whatever I, love you you want-
4: I love you guys. I love you
2: guys. So, my question is not only have you been a, a referee and a manager, but you've also been a promoter. And I wanted to talk about Paragon Pro Wrestling, uh, who you were partnered with, uh, if I'm – not mistaken, uh Jeff Aiken. Uh, can you tell us a little Correct. bit about Paragon Pro Wrestling? Uh,
4: Paragon, we were always looking to get a national TV show. I think anybody who's mm-hmm. had a regional show wants to go bigger. And uh, Jeff and I uh were talking about it. We met some of the right or wrong people. We got a deal on Pop TV, which is where Impact went after we – uh we decided to cancel Paragon. It got kind of expensive, and we lost some sponsors. But we were there for almost, I think, two two and a half years on Paragon. We we taped monthly in Vegas. Uh, we did four shows at a time, obviously, and it was it was great. We were on at uh, eight a.m. Saturday mornings Eastern time, which made it excitingly at five a.m. West Coast time. But uh, the product was good. Again, it was the same concept. D'Lo Brown was, was booking. Matt Stryker was there mm-hmm. with us. The original grappler, Len Denton, was helping out. We had some some smart people in the back. And luckily, most of the wrestlers realized, here's a chance to work with a lot of big-name people. I better pay attention. Among them, just to give you a couple names, Hammerstone, Anthony Green, Joey Ryan, Royce wow. Isaacs, Darren Corbin,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, Sin Bodie was in the back as well, Trent Beretta, Um Brian Hebner of Hebner fame was one of my referees, and he also was great to work with. I mean, these guys learn so much from all the people in the back, and a lot of them are doing pretty damn good for themselves right now.
2: Wait a minute. Did, did you say Darren Corbin? That's who we have coming Darren on to Corbin. the show
4: tonight. <laughs> That's the <what> Darren Corbin you're going to have thing. later. Yeah, Darren and I go back way too many years, and if he says anything mean about me, I have my permission to cut him off, Okay.
2: Okay yeah. <laughs> you got it. all right well all right so what uh, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna go ahead and get into our shooting shout segment i'll I'll play a little bit of music uh I'll go first and they will go, and then you can uh, uh end this out uh like I said, it's like thirty to forty seconds of bitching whatever is on your mind. it could be wrestling it can be the the you can be pissed off that there's not that there's too much air in a bag of potato chips, so uh, I got go it.
4: I, I got my notes right here what I want to say it'll be 20 seconds at that so you can go 40 if you want.
0: Alright, here you go. <laughs> it's just one of those- All right, I'll go
2: ahead and start it off. My shooting shout uh, has to do with the uh, uh, pro wrestling and the the uh, the, the, the AEW. You know, it, it seems that people seem to think that you can only like one professional wrestling promotion. You can either like WWE, or you can't like AEW. You're only allowed to have one, and and I'm here to tell you that that is nothing more than. Some fucking bullshit, as the Iron Sheik would say.
0: Fucking bullshit! (laughs)
2: Because you are a professional wrestling fan. You can watch whatever wrestling you want to. If you want to watch AEW on Wednesdays and then watch NXT on Wednesday nights on the WWE Network and watch Monday Night Raw on SmackDown and uh, Impact Wrestling, you are more than welcome to do that. And if anybody tells you... That you're not allowed to do that. Well, there was only one thing that I would have to say, and that is never drew a dime, not a dime, not a dime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there
2: oh,
0: you
1: go. Wow. Wow. Jeez Louise! Well, this is going to be my calmest shooting shout ever, but at the same time, it's going to be my most serious shooting shout ever. I do not care anymore what side of the political line you sit on. It is not okay for people of authority to be abusing their power to the point where they are murdering unarmed people. You can go ahead and pick through the details, okay? You can go ahead and tear apart other people's arguments, but the bottom line is every single week somebody that has my complexion or darker and sometimes mm-hmm. it's the other way around sometimes it's people of my complexion or darker robbing stealing and killing okay cuz it's not a one way street okay i am sick and tired of people abusing their power and taking advantage of people that are vulnerable from seeing the dude with the knee on the back of his neck getting murdered to here in Kansas City, uh, uh, the the crime rate in the urban area of this city is one of the highest in the nation, okay? So it's definitely not a black or white issue. It is a black, brown, gray, and white issue. And God damn it, ladies and gentlemen, can't we just start caring about each other a little bit more? I'm sick of the 10 bell salute. And I'm sick of people that are powerless to to defend themselves being killed on the streets of the greatest country on God's green earth. This should not be happening in what many people call the greatest country in the history of the world. Enough is enough. I'm sick of it. Start loving each other, damn it. And that's all i got to say about all that. Jeff, close this out.
4: Well, you are a hard act to follow. I got a COVID-19 issue here. It's, it's a tough time for a lot of us. Everybody has different viewpoints, but there are signs mm-hmm. up in the restaurants that say no shirt, no shoes, no service. What in the hell is wrong with wearing a mask where you might not, if you have the virus, give it to the guy across the street from you? That's all I got to say.
2: There you go.
1: Simple, like a teenage pimple. Wow, Jeff, thank you so much, man. We share those sentiments as well. And you know what? I'm super-duper excited that we had an opportunity to speak with you tonight. We got Ricky Mantel coming up next, super excited, representing Nevada. And, of course, you, sir, you've done a lot of great work all over the West Coast, but I know the state of Oregon is near and dear to your heart. Jeff, we look forward to speaking to you again. Before you go, do us two favors. One, promise we'll talk to you again here in the very near future. Second part of that, welcome as the newest member of the WrestleTalk family, and the very last thing, please tell us where people can keep up with you and your promotion on social media.
7: Real
4: simple. Everything's at the WCWC, website wc-wc.com, and I accept your offers and very happy, and it's been a, been a lot of fun, guys. I know we had some, some hysterical moments, but some serious moments. You guys rock. You keep up the good work, too, or I won't come back. That's Morty talking. There
2: you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, guys. Was awesome. It was awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Peace. Man. All right. That was a great interview. Now we go into our next interview. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and introduce our next guest, sir?
1: No doubt about it, Joe. It's been an outstanding show so far. And guess what? We're only one-third through the show for tonight. If you're digging it, hit that like button here. Hit that share button. And if you're listening to the replay make sure to share the broadcast on your social media platforms that said ladies and gentlemen up next is a man that is well respected throughout the pro wrestling world and i'm pretty sure you all know who it is okay if you're huge lucha underground fans the way that we are if you're fans of the nwa the way that we are You're a veteran.
6: Thank you.
2: (laughs) So you were uh, trained by uh, uh, Shane and Shannon Ballard. What was it like being trained by by those two gentlemen?
6: Um, Honestly, I mean, okay, when I started, um, they were the perfect guys to train me because um, Shannon and Shane are not only extremely knowledgeable. Of you know professional wrestling, but they are the two most patient individuals you'll ever want to meet in your life. So, for somebody like me who you know doesn't necessarily catch on to things the first time, um, they made it very easy for me to learn and uh, grow as not only a person but as a professional wrestler and just an entertainer all around.
2: Okay. Yeah. I. I. Absolutely. Um. You know. Uh, of course. You know. We're. we We're. We're, we're going to get into uh lucha underground. But I wanted to talk uh, a, a little bit about. You had a match with a a gentleman by the name of uh, Tim Storm. What was it like facing Tim Storm? Tim Storm. Okay.
6: Okay. So, as I recall, this one I hadn't been at championship for. A while. Um, mm-hmm. See, when I signed with Lucha, at first uh, they had this this thing where we weren't supposed to um, go wrestle for other TV productions. Yeah. So uh, when I first signed, I was like, okay. I mean, in fact, it went it went all the way to having to get permission just to work an indie show. I'd have to hit them up just for a regular, like, just any, just you know house show as it were, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, that kind of, uh, put a damper on, I wouldn't say put it like on my relationship with championship. It was just, I wasn't allowed to, at the time, go work for them. So by the time, um, you know, that, that dust settled, um, I was able to go back and I remember, um, thinking like, cause I would keep up with the show. I would, you know, cause I had a lot of friends on championship. So I remember watching Tim Storm, and I remember thinking to myself, like, I know I could have a good match with that guy. I know me and him, if I ever had the opportunity, I know him and I could go and have a kick-ass match. And it was funny because that day um, I had no idea, no idea who I was working. Just kind of showed up and checked the card, and sure enough, there's my name. Ricky Mandel versus Tim Storm. And, I, I mean, I knew like right then and there, I was like, perfect, we're going to go out, we're going to have a good match. Um, but I also hadn't met him before, so this is my first time ever meeting him. Um, like I said, he's he's super cool guy, super respectful, super nice, so um, that was the first thing that like, I recall from the, that, that day. Uh, and then we went out and I believe cut a promo, we had a segment, we had a promo segment first, so we went out, cut the promo segment, and um he just like he would tell he would he would talk about he was you know telling me about how a lot of people um when they cut promos on him go after you know oh they they always come after my age or they come after my tan or they come after. You know, just like the the standard stuff. So what I liked about that was, I, you know, I'm like super glad he told me that because it allowed me to think on my feet to cut a different promo on him. So we go out there, cut the promo, and I would like to think that it was different from any other promo that um, people would normally cut on him. And that led into the match. And, um, he also was mentioning that that was, from what I remember, like, that was supposed to be the match that brought him back. Like, he was about to retire, mm-hmm. from what I remember. And that was supposed to be, like, you know, like, okay, I got, like, one more run in here, whatever, whatever the situation may have been. So, um, not only did we have that different promo from or different segment from what they were used to, um, I got a different Tim storm as well. So yeah. I just remember going out there and having, um, cause he wanted to do like more like a physical brawl, which I was totally for. Cause that, that's, I mean, that's my favorite style. Like I, I just, I'm like, a big fan of I don't care what anybody says I'm a I'm a punch and kick guy, <laughs> you know that that's that's what entertains me like I I don't know what to tell you I okay like you, okay you like lip school like good for you but like I'd rather watch a brawl
2: personally. Oh right, and my last question. That I have be, before I throw it to uh, Renee. Uh, you wrestled for a wrestling promotion called SoCal Pro Wrestling, uh, and yeah. in that promotion, you went by the nickname uh, the Mirror Image. How did you get that nickname, the Mirror Image? Okay, so <laughs> there's there's
6: not really like a um, the, the story behind this doesn't really make any sense, but I I thought the name was cool, so um, before I before um, I was doing the mirror image stuff, I um, worked for this promotion in Anaheim called WPW, uh, World Power Wrestling. So one day, I'm getting ready to um, head out for the show, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't really have... This is when I first started, so I didn't really have, like, a gimmick. I was just kind of, like... A guy in tights if you will And I wanted You know a character to, You know really take myself To another level And I remember right before I walked out the door There was I had um Like a handheld mirror And I'm just like you know what Maybe a little cliche, whatever, but I'm just going to – nobody's doing it there. I'm just going to take this mirror to the ring and pretend to be, like, oh, I'm the most handsome man in the world, whatever, something, something to get used to being a character. So I brought that to the ring, and um, it actually, like, worked for the company, so I was like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this. Um, mm-hmm. And as I was – you know, I was a student of the game. I would watch – you know, as much footage as I still do. Um, but I was watching um, Ted DiBiase, and I seen he had, you know, his million dollar belt. And I was like, I, I don't know where it came from, but I was like, you know, that'd be that'd be kind of cool if I had, um, kind of like what he has, but instead of you know like the the you know the million dollar belt, if it were uh, mirrors on it. So my mom, being as creative as she is, you know, she makes all my gear and, you know, all that good stuff. Um I told her, I'm like, you know, like, Mom, I have this idea for this mirror belt. Would you be able to, you know, like put it together and make it a thing? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So as I'm coming up with this, this new gimmick, this mirror thing, um, I was like, Well I can't I gotta have an alias for it. You know, I need to be something. Something to do with mirror, something to and, and you know, like I think I think Mark Gindrak had just done like the reflection of perfection. So I mean that wasn't a thing. I wasn't gonna steal that, but um I'm trying to think like okay, okay. Mirror, 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 something and it just pops into my head, mirror image. Now, typically a mirror image is a Pretty much like a reflection of someone else that looks just like you, or two things that look alike. So it really didn't make much sense, but it's also pro wrestling, and I don't think stuff like certain things really need to make a lot of sense. So
0: uh, yeah. I came up
6: with. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so that's where uh, mirror image G Mandel came into play. Very 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 um, cool.
2: All right, so, Renee, why don't you come here with whatever questions that you have, because I know you've been shopping at the bits, so.
1: Oh, dude, I am. And, and Ricky, I want to tell you this, like, so our job as interviewers is to try to get a lot of detail out of the talent, and I think a lot of the people that come on with us, and we've talked to everybody, bro. When I say everybody, sure. we've talked to everybody. And I think a lot of the people that come on are like, oh, they don't, they don't want to hear about that. Like, oh, that's kind of silly, Right. But that's exactly what we want to hear about. And Joe almost stole a little bit of my thunder because I had a gimmick-related question, and then we'll obviously get into the Lucha Underground stuff for all those people that are wondering. Uh, But there's so much more to Ricky uh, outside of Lucha Underground. And and here's one of those things. So in the years following the mirror image, you started getting a little creepy, bro. You started getting a little creepy, and you started coming out with like a doll, and doing yeah. this really, like, dark angle, which I'm not saying that Aleister Black ripped you off, bro. I'm not saying that. But if people yeah. saw you and then they looked at him now, they're like, you know, anybody could go, hmm, that's interesting, right? Now, I know he doesn't yeah. do the doll or any of that yeah. stuff, but he, he definitely is harnessing the dark spirits, the dark elements. And you did that. And you did that before him, so talk to us a little bit about the thought process that went into that part of your career and character?
6: Sure. Um, I know we're going to get into Lucha Underground, but I'm going, to, I'm going to fast forward to, like, season four real quick. So, basically, and we could go into details about this later. Basically, I pitched a doll idea there. Um, they went for it, and they ended up doing that, the whole doll angle in season four. So, I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, when we started doing that, um. It was, it was funny because we were doing, okay, so basically the first doll they gave me was um, a Chatty Cathy doll, right? So okay. apparently when they showed the footage to the network, they said like, hey, that's a Chatty Cathy doll. We can't use that on TV. They got rights to that. We're going to get sued. We got to redo this, this whole dial thing. And that was during uh, Aztec Warfare, okay? So they are like, okay, we got to reshoot Ricky coming to the ring. Um, so basically they had me – they were like, okay, well, what, what can we do with him? What are we going to do that would cause him just to walk down to the ring with fans and everything? So they are like, all right, Ricky, there's going to be a dark match tonight. All you're going to do is walk down the ramp – walk down the stairs and just sit in the audience, do what you got to do. Um, you know, <laughs> that's, that's all you have to do. Okay, cool. We just need the footage. So I go to the ring and I couldn't like as an entertainer, I, I, I can't just not be in character. You know, I had to do something while sitting in the audience with this doll. So while I'm in the, you know, in the audience, I'm just chatting away with this, this doll. I'm just having a full-blown conversation talking about uh, Katrina. I'm, I'm telling my doll that Katrina's pretty, but she's prettier. Uh, I'm telling her, that I'm, I'm telling them, like, you know, yeah, I could, I could take on Bill Mortez any day of the week. Yeah, just whatever, whatever the hell is going on. Um, so right after that, like that moment, I knew – like this is fun <laughs> okay so i said i don't i don't care like what i have to do as soon as season 4 is over and i go back to the indies i'll create my own dial i'll I'll create my own new dark persona and i'm going to do This type of character because keep in mind, like, even though uh, Lucha Underground was having me do the Ricky Mundo stuff, I would still go back to the Indies and be sexy beach Ricky Mandel. I wasn't, you know, going back and pretending to be uh, John like I was at Lucha. You know, uh, I wasn't using Tresse on the Indies. I was always Ricky Mandel. I was always sexy beach Ricky Mandel. So, um, I knew that, like, like I said, right from that little, that little me farting around talking to a doll, I knew I'm going to bring this to the Indies. I'm going to change and start thinking a new, um, like a new darker character. And that's when I started to put um, like vignettes together on my YouTube channel. And like I said, I don't know how many people actually seen him, but it, it gave me the satisfaction to know I didn't just go into a new character. I I, I, I I feel justified knowing that I changed gradually.
1: You did change gradually. and And you know what? Knowing that you were doing those two things at the same time, Impresses me even I mean, you're obviously a really talented cat, but knowing that you were doing the Ricky Mundo deal, but then still developing what, what was really more, um, near and dear to your heart on the indies, I think is spectacular. And a lot of guys and girls struggle to get one character right. And there's no question that you did the Ricky Mundo thing to perfection. And, and, and I want to ask you about that. But first, we do have an audience question from our boy okay. Chandler in Topeka, Kansas, and he okay. wants to know um, about your time in Lucha Underground and if you had the opportunity to work closely with uh, referee Marty Elias, and if so, what was your experience?
6: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, well, first of all, my time in Lucha Underground, I mean, I, you know, I, I can't thank that company enough for what they did for me. You know, because if you look back um, at my time there, they invested, as they did with a lot of guys, but I mean, with everybody really, but still, like, if we're we're talking about me here, the fact is they invested so much time, energy, and money into different characters for me. And just me as a person, because I did, um, like I said, I played uh, Tressé, okay? I played, uh, well, actually, I mean, even before that, there was a character that we did. um, That was El Americano, okay? Never seen the light (laughs) of day, only did dark matches because they thought it was a little too risque. Kind of similar to... um, I guess like Trump talking about building a wall type of stuff, you know, so that right. oh, we can't have that. On we can't have that on TV. That might offend some people. Okay, cool. Whatever. But still right, we did that. Okay. Then I become tressé. Okay. We we do, you know, that, I mean, that was boots. That was tight. That was two different versions of a mask. There was cloaks. I mean, there was all this stuff, not to mention vignettes. I mean, all this time and money into that. Then they go, okay, we're going to have you be uh, Ricky Mundo, which once again, there's uh, new Ricky Mundo gear to, to, you know, look like John. Um, and then not to mention all the time and effort they put into vignettes, and, you know, cause all that stuff's expensive. It's not cheap. And of course, you know, they, they could have easily gave um, TV time to someone else. You know, and I look back at like my time there, and it's like, you know, I may not wrestle on every show, but I mean, I'm, I look back and it's like I was I was on TV quite a bit for them.
1: You made you an know?
6: impact. No yeah. question. So, and then you go to season four where, like, I pitch a, a pitch a doll idea, and then now they're coming up with having to uh, put the put the. Uh, The ladies together to you know work on this doll. You know we gotta we gotta work on this doll. Oh well that doll's too. That doll's a Chatty Cathy doll. We gotta redo it. So there's another doll. You know. So I mean that's just that's just more time and money. So like I said, like they put the time in me, they put the effort in, and I will never ever say anything bad about them. And I'm I'm grateful for everything they did for me.
1: Well, and you know what? The, the entertainment value is absolutely there. By the way, all four seasons of Lucha Underground now available, I believe, in, like, a box set, or you can download them all. So make sure that you guys uh, go to Amazon and look up uh, Lucha Underground season one through four. It's all right there for you. I think they even sell, like, in a box set. I, I did want to get back to the back end sorry you
6: off. It's also on 2 TV as well.
1: Uh, there you go, 2 TV. You can just download the app. You guys know what to do. It's easy, real easy. I want to make sure I get back to the tail end of that question. How about your experience uh, with Marty Elias? Uh, was, that, was that something that was enjoyable for you? Because obviously throughout the pro wrestling community, particularly with referees, he's highly regarded. Uh, what are your thoughts on him?
6: Fuck him. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love Marty. Marty is one <laughs> of my
0: best friends. <laughs>
6: is Marty, Marty is one of my best friends. Um, funny story about Marty. I've known him for well uh, fuck since the beginning of my career I mean I must have met him when I was 19 and uh, like right before
1: we'd love if you think he'd enjoy coming on the show bro hook us up we'd love to have Marty on the show that'd be fantastic
6: sure I'll talk to him yeah for sure
1: thanks man I'll
6: I'll talk to Marty I'll tell tell him if he doesn't he doesn't like me anymore then he'll be right on um no, but um <laughs> I I've known him forever and he um like even from I mean like I said like this was my second match no, I met him before then. He oh man, he showed up to Okay. Cuz I trained to – Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm an old fart, man. Damn. I'm going to be 33 next month. That's that's uh okay. So, I met him Within my first few weeks of training, because he showed up, because it was it was UPW, I trained out of uh, El Segundo, you know, uh, Ultimate Pro Wrestling, and he was uh, a mainstay there for a while. And uh, I remember him showing up, and like I didn't know, I didn't know shit. I was like still learning like psychology, and I remember him just like me running a spot. And then him looking at me and just being like, didn't make any sense. And I was like, ah, <laughs> man. Like, uh, and then of course you know you you learn don't talk back. You know, like okay, no, I'm not going to sit there and go. Oh, I've only been wrestling a little bit. But then um, fast forward to um, my second match, and he's there and like i remember the only thing he, the only thing he said was like I, you know put on some size you know just standard you know stuff but everything else was cool and when he did when he signed with WWE um he did an interview and he was just like and they put it on the upw website and you know like i said i was just reading it you know like check uh, you know checking in on news from whatever UPW is doing and he had mentioned that they, they asked him like, is there anybody that you think um, stands out and could you know, possibly do something in this business? And he had mentioned me. And like I said, like, I mean, we, at the time we still don't know each other. We're not friends. We're not buddies. Like, you know, um, but just to see that, and him mention me like that was just, like, a complete honor, especially considering he had just signed with WWE. So, you know, if anybody from there were to have seen that, it's just, you know, Big them. Problem. Exactly. Exactly. And if you want to talk about being old, I may or may not have put it on my MySpace account. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. That's legit. Yeah, well, tell no, you, I don't know
2: do you your you first your MySpace.
1: A long time ago. Man, I wish I remembered yeah. my passwords. I know I got some good pictures up there, bro. I really do. Sure. Yeah,
5: right, right. Sure.
1: <laughs> Damn it. Well, I got one last question before I throw it back over to Joe. And here it is. You know, I know Lucha Underground is, is a big highlight of your career. And it's something that I always wanted to know. A lot of people get credit, and a lot of people get crap. And here's what I mean by that, Ricky. So, like, there's this consensus in, uh, in the IWC, the internet wrestling community, that producers and directors should not be in charge of professional wrestling shows. But Lucha Underground proved that when you have the right producers and directors and the right talent, Working together, something special can happen. The reason that we were able to get what we got for AEW Dynamite with the pre-recorded stadium stampede match, why we were able to get what we got at Money in the Bank with the pre-recorded, you know, WWE headquarters thing, to me, it was all an original brainchild of Lucha Underground and some of the vignettes and the things that Lucha Underground was doing with the no replays, things that people don't even really think about. So, Rick, I know you're, you're close to this situation a lot more than I am, but, and Drew, thank you, they were doing boneyard matches before it was cool. So let me ask you this. I know it's a lot of information. You can hit it from any direction. But who were you working with? Like, was it Chavo? Uh, and I know I've seen Brian Cage get a lot of, of a rub recently, also Ricochet. Who were the guys that were really, like, boiling the gears in Lucha Underground and doing this innovative style of pro wrestling that we're now seeing with some of the major companies. I know that's a loaded one, man. So do your best. For sure. Um,
6: (sighs) well, like with the, the wrestling side of things, you had guys who, you know, like you said, like your Chavos and your Paul London's and, um, Vampiro, I mean, all these guys who have had experience. Marty, Marty's another one. um, Who, and I'm sorry if I'm, hopefully, if if any of them hear this and I'm leaving names out, I I apologize right off the bat. Um, But these are guys who, with years of experience, who've been all over the world and combined all these, like, minds to come up with, um, you know, this different style of. This different style of wrestling Right But at the same time You have And this is the person I mean I give a lot of credit To uh, Krista Joseph uh, Who's back with WWE now Who Like not only was he an executive producer But he was writing This show You know So like I said, I'm not I'm not 100% sure who was coming up with every single last idea, um, but but damn it, like like those guys combined were like this well-oiled machine that I I don't I don't know if you'll see that again, but special, dude. It's if, so if you special. do, it's going it's probably not gonna be for a while, you know. But I, I like like I said like uh I. I as soon as you asked, like, who were the tiles behind it, I, I, the first name that popped into my mind was uh, the Joseph.
1: Well, and, and, and can you tell us – and, Joe, I'm so sorry. I know I know you'll appreciate this question, even though it's your turn. Do you know why Lucha Underground did not go past Season 5, Ricky? Uh, maybe that's not for you to know. I know that's more of an El Rey Network thing or whatever, but what were you told? Because season four, in my opinion, was one of the best seasons that Lucha Underground had had, and obviously the word was starting to get out. Mainstream media, uh, in the wrestling world that is, is covering Lucha Underground. I mean, you talk, I, I mentioned Brian Cage. I mentioned uh, Ricochet. Uh, obviously, the Lucha brothers, these are all now top talents in their respective promotions. What were you As told should be, about sure. why there would not be a – a season five
6: of Lucha Underground. Honestly, like, we never... To this day, I never got a real cutthroat, like, straight to the point answer on that, because from what I remember, I want to say there was a pretty significant break between three and four, and I want to say when they did four, they were talking about doing five, like, right away, because, like, like we were shooting, we were shooting season four. We were doing um, Ultima Lucha actually, and I remember hearing something about them extending the season, like right then and there. But like, and like I said, this is—I I don't know, you know, every you know gossip, you know how it is, but right if if that's the case i remember them just being like well we can't just extend it right now because we're already at ultima lucha this is this is the season finale this is this is it um but we could um bring back bring it back for a season 5 and you know but then you know months and i mean now what's been years nothing happened i really don't know but from what i mean hearsay I hear um, it was just uh, lack of communication and um, you talk about <clears throat> producers and, and what they say like producers and, and TV people not being in charge of a wrestling show I, I don't think it's necessarily um, having producers um Is is like the head of a wrestling company or writers is is the problem. I think what it would be is having people who haven't been involved in wrestling. If you don't understand pro wrestling, how do you expect – if you're running your stuff like a TV show, well, TV is ran completely different from pro wrestling. I mean, pro wrestling, you know, you need – well, yeah, I mean, you're not necessarily need, but it's a consistent thing. You know, I mean, like, look at, like, um, you know, I mean, back in the day, you had every paper, every show had house shows, plus their TV, plus their pay-per-view. Right. But yeah, if you're just doing, consistent. if you're just filming your show, and then you, you know, that's it, okay, we filmed, okay, now it's going to be a few months before it airs, and then it's airing, and then it stops airing, and there's nothing for a few months, People are just going to, you know, forget about it. So, yeah. I mean, at the time, um, and this is where it goes to the TV people not understanding it, maybe if they, you know, if, if and from what I understood, this was in the, this was in the, like, something that was being talked about, was when they weren't filming, when we weren't filming Lucha Underground, um, we were supposed to be doing house shows. Or they wanted to do live events. But the TV, people didn't understand that part of it. Because, you know, you watch any show. Like, one of my favorite shows of all time, it probably is my favorite show of all time, is uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay? Now, you could take a Curb Your Enthusiasm, and, I mean, that show goes away for years at a time, it feels like. But it comes right back. And that's, that's all there is to it. But in pro wrestling, people need to work. You know, nobody's going to forget the Larry David character. But if if you're not seeing certain characters for a while, not only are we not working, but, you know, we want to go to other places because there's so much work and there's so many offers on the table that it's just when it comes to this, you just need to strike one iron top and somebody – on the the top of the show um, didn't do that. They didn't strike when the iron was hot and it's, it, you know, it, it's a shame.
1: It is indeed. But you know what? The career of Ricky Mandel continues and there's a lot of fans who still appreciate you, man, for everything you've done before, during and after Lucha Underground. Let me say, that uh, I was very excited to speak with you, man, and you absolutely did not disappoint. Mayor Jones, I'll let you come in here with any final thoughts or questions uh, for our guest, Ricky
2: Mandel, who's been a fantastic guest
1: uh, tonight for episode
2: yeah. 299 of the Talk Podcast. I, I do. I, I have one final question, and then uh, we're going to go ahead and let you go. Um, so in Nusha Underground, you didn't just just wrestle guys, but you also wrestled, you know, the the likes of Sexy Star and uh, uh, what is her name? Um, Sexy Star and uh, what is her name? I can't think of it. A Cobra Moon. Hiya. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Taya uh, Mundo. Taya Mundo. Pia, yeah.
6: Pia Mundo.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I guess that uh, my, my that my last question is. What do you feel about inter intergender wrestling and and people that just have no desire to see intergender wrestling? Well, honestly,
6: man, like okay, I'm a you know a, an opinion. Like everybody's entitled to their opinion. I don't care. Like as long as you're not hurting anybody, like you know, okay, you got an opinion, cool, whatever. Like that's that's you. Don't but don't make your opinion come off like fact, you know, because everybody's gonna have a different opinion on everything. You know, you okay. You like chocolate ice cream while you like vanilla. Okay. Does that make you a bad person for liking vanilla ice cream? No. So it's, it's the same thing with the intergender thing. Some people like it. Some people don't, I think at this stage in uh, professional wrestling, um, the only thing I'll say, and this, this goes for um, it's, it's right up there with little guy, Versus giant. As long as it makes sense, that's all I care about. As long as the story is being told and it makes sense, I don't care if you're doing uh, everything in the book, I don't care if you're doing nothing. Just make it make sense. So as far as it goes, I have no problem with it because, um, especially after working for Lucha Underground, you know you start to look at wrestling in that almost like a superhero type of thing um and you know you could see you know you know any superhero <laughs> fighting or facing off against any super I mean look at like you know you look at like the Power Rangers okay so they had men and women Power Rangers and they would face off against um uh, monsters, for crying out loud. These, these, there's a fish monster. Now here's a pig monster. Now here. So as far as I'm concerned, it it really, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I hate to say it like that because it matters, but it doesn't really matter as long as it's making sense. So that's just my take on that.
2: There you, that, that you is, go, That is a absolutely amazing, amazing answer. But this is going to be the end. Of the uh, interview, uh, Ricky. Unless uh, Renee has any final questions, do you have any final questions, Renee?
1: Well, I don't really have a final question, but I do want to say this to Ricky. Ricky, you know you're a very interesting guy, and it's so dope to see that you've come out uh, of the core scene like with a really positive attitude. It sounds like you're ready to work and ready to continue kicking ass everywhere you go. So before you do go. Uh, Number one, welcome as the newest member of the WrestleTalk family. Number two, we'd love to have you back sometime very, very soon. Maybe you can hook us up with Marty Elias. We really mean that. We'd love to have him on and have a chat. But my final real thing is, dude, what are you going to do when they finally end the damn lockdown and you can get back to work? Where can the fans find you?
6: As of right now, I know I have one – as they like to call it tentative booking for a new promotion called peak of wrestling. That's in Arizona. Um, as far as everything else goes, um, I worked a lot in like, yeah, Arizona area. And um, uh, before all this happened, I had some bookings in California and they all told me like, once it's all said and done, um, they're just gonna, they're not canceling the shows. They're just postponing. So as of right now, it's going to be uh, looking at Arizona and California, and I, I guess, I guess for old Jeff Manning out in Oregon. I mean, I have his title. I guess I, I guess I should go work for him, <laughs> <you> right? Wow!
2: Do. <laughs> uh, does everybody know Jeff Manning? Because I mean, we we we've got Ricky Mandel. He knows Jeff. We've got Damon Corbin coming on. He knows Jeff. Does everybody know <laughs> Jeff Manning?
6: <laughs> everybody I, I knows think so. Jeff Manning. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. The guy's got a big mouth, so no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh,
1: that's good shit right there. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, what can I say? Another fantastic interview with one of the best in the business, Going today Ricky Mantel, man, thank you so much Bro, thank you oh, so thank much you for your time uh, Thank you for being Forthright and honest with all your answers Man, uh, you, you clearly uh, Love what you do And you love entertaining the fans, man So we really appreciate it, and I mean that We hope we can talk to you very, very soon Maybe even before the end of 2020 Let's do it all over again
6: Sounds good, man, Be my pleasure
1: Alright, have a good night all right, you too. Adios. Thanks. Man. Wow. <laughs> what Black a freaking men. interview. We got Nevada in the house. We got Oregon in the house, and we're not done yet, Nightmare Jones, because we're going to make a quick announcement for the FWWC, and then we're going to move in to our final featured interview of the evening. Okay? Okay. Because Darren Corbin is a guy who is known, obviously, out on the West Coast, but also known and very well respected here in the Midwest. We're going to be talking to him in just a matter of moments. But, Josie, why don't you go ahead and hit that breaking news for me, because I have a huge announcement pertaining to the FWWC and the brand battle coming up right now. All right, loyal members of the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion, allow me to make this announcement. And I know there are a few of you on hold, and we're going to let you guys come on for about 30 seconds apiece. I got a couple callers. I got enough room for two callers tonight for the FWC, and I need you to make it quick because we got to respect Darren Corbin's time. Okay? But before you guys come on, I'm going to go ahead and make this announcement. For the week of May 16th, through May 22nd, which is round three, week one of the heated FWWC brand battle. The scores are as follows for week one. Infinite brand, two points. Inferno brand, two points. Rise brand, three points, meaning that the lead, for round three, as of right now, belongs to the Rise Brand. Congratulations to you, Heel Deal. Congratulations to all the hardworking members of the Rise brand, including Diablo, Arden Murphy, and all the other hardworking folks over there, like Lilith. Good job. But keep it up, because Inferno and Infinite are hot on your trail, and they each have went around, and you have not. So... Rise, let me see what you got, and let's see if you can keep that momentum going. Congratulations to you guys. And as promised, Jonesy, we're going to go ahead and bring on a couple of callers here tonight from the FWWC. I promise you no more than four minutes before we get to Darren Corbin. I know you guys are very excited, as are we, to talk to him for the first time ever. That said, let's go ahead and jump in first to the Intercontinental Champion. Representing Infinite Brand, the KOB.
5: Hey, 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 how's it going? Woo! What you guys got to say today, huh?
1: Well, we're interviewing you. You're not interviewing us. Tell us what you want to say true. and hit the road.
5: Yes, sir, yes, sir. So, coming up on Monday. You are going to be seeing Funky Flex versus KOB in a dumpster match. So here's how this came about. The other day, Funky decided he wanted to throw my head straight into a door. Bang, bang, bang. And your boy was walking, and he, and he was talking, and he, and he forgot, and then he remembered. And then he came off, ripped the bandages off his head, and stand by a dumpster. Kind of where Funky lives, you know, in the trash. He decided he wanted to do that, so your boy, the King will baby, challenged Mr. Funky to a dumpster match. Now, doesn't that just show must-see TV dumpsters? Man, we should be throwing rides in there, but, man, they, they got us this round, or this week, sorry. So, we'll be seeing them, or we'll be seeing Funky, sorry, in a dumpster match versus your boy, the King Bleach style.
1: Well, KOB, I definitely appreciate you joining us and bringing the heat here tonight because you know what? The Infinite brand has been absolutely on fire. And, though you guys weren't able to win round two. You guys were this freaking close had it not been for Rise jumping up and getting everything all tied, man. You guys were this close, this close to taking round two. Now, that being said, well, for the upcoming pick on this Friday night, just so everybody knows, another bit of breaking news. It will be Rise, then – I'm sorry, it will be Inferno, then Rise, then Infinite when it comes to what order we're going to be making the picks again. That will be Inferno, Rise, Infinite. Final caller, the general manager of the Infinite brand, before we take a quick break and get to Darren Corbin, the one and only SOS very own, take Westbrook. Hank,
3: welcome back to the show. How you doing? How you doing?
1: I'm doing good, man. What's on your mind?
3: You know, it's okay that we we get to pick last because you know what? You save the last, you save the best for last, so it's okay. I mean, like you said, I still get to pick last. You saving the best, so it doesn't bother me. Now, onto the other dropping news that you just said that I am tied with Inferno and Rise wins round three, week one. Congratulations, Rise. I mean, like Sis has said before, like I've said before, there's multiple battles in year three. And, and the, you're gonna win some, you're gonna lose some, you're gonna it, it's okay. My team the resilient. infinite brand the infinite brand will persevere and, and show you all. That we will take it farther and farther. Like Funky and Saint have said, we're going to go higher and higher and higher. That's all I can say. The Infinite Brand is going to go higher and higher and higher.
1: Absolutely love that fire. And you know what? One thing you can count on from the Infinite Brand is they're always going to have representation during the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'll tell you what, Nightmare Jones, the FWWC is always bringing the heat. For more information on the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion, make sure you visit wrestletalkpodcast.com forward slash fantasy wrestling. Joe, any final thoughts on the FWWC, the announcements tonight, before we move on to a very short break, and then we close it out with our third featured guest of the evening, the Ginger Snap, Darren Cork.
2: Man, just uh, congratulations to the Vise brand. Uh, like Tank said, you know, there's going to be many battles, but the war is not done yet. So congratulations.
1: Very, very nice. Well, guys, before we go to break, allow us once again to thank the Conspiracy Farm with UFC Hall of Famer Pat Milicic and Jay Hollywood. Also, Rat Bums Engraving, if you guys are interested in Talk Podcast mug, Shoot us a DM and get yours customizing or get your customization started today for only 20 bucks plus shipping. Um, Retro Zone slash Kincaid at the Oak Park Mall. Talking Dynasty podcast hosted by Adam Frex, which is like Talk but only like on the football platform. And then, of course, Esports Bar KC in Shawnee, Kansas, the host of all of our pro wrestling watch parties. Big shout-out to B. Will and the great folks over at Esports Bar KC. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. You know what? Let's hit Darren Corbin's music as our break, and then we'll come back and have our third interview of the evening. How's that sound, Josie?
2: Sounds like a plan.
1: Let's do it. Be back in a minute. Peace. Uh... Alright, what up? Night out, Nightmare Jones. What up, WrestleTalk fam? Do it for y'all. Check me out. Kicking the door, waving the 4-4, even them haters can't hate us no more. So unlock your door, because we got some more. Every Wednesday we're here, keeping it raw. Night out, Nightmare Jones, and all the best jest. Like a double barrel pointed right at your chest. WrestleTalkPodcast.com, smashing and killing it like the night at the prom. Smashing it and killing it like the
2: night at the prom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back once again. And, boy, did we have a guest for you. We've got the one and only, the ginger snap, Darren Coleman. This guy is a two-time WCWC Pacific Northwest champion. He's been in multiple tag teams. If you're lucky, he won't hit you with his soul-crushing finale. And you can see him in matches against people like the Wildcat. So, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only... Darren Corbin and Chung Chimmy, if you could please hit that music once again. Right? I like that. How's it going, Dan? How are you doing tonight, sir? Everything's going pretty good. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, man, we are absolutely wonderful. We are so happy to have you on to the podcast, show. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on to the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, can I go
7: okay,
1: so, first? Josie, can I go ahead, first? Thank you, man. I appreciate that, man. Well, I'm really excited. Uh, Darren, I have to admit, I I don't understand why this has taken so long. I blame myself. Uh, You've been a very, very well-known superstar in my area, Kansas City, the St. Louis area. I know you've worked all over the place, so I apologize, because I feel like we would have had you on a long time ago. We should not have waited for episode 299. Shame on me. Shame.
7: Well, you know, I just figured it was a good precursor, like perfect timing, right, leading into a three hundredth episode because that's a milestone. So, so he's going to have a nice little, uh, you know, like a uh, ease into that. So, I thought that that I thought that's why you guys were keeping me here is to kind of get for the big three hundred episode, like a nice lead in.
1: No doubt. Well, I'll tell you what, it is an absolutely wonderful lead in. And one of the things that I want to talk about first, which uh, will help people kind of understand where you are in your career and some of the things that you've been able to do before we kind of go backwards and talk a little bit about the beginning and some of your training. Some of the people you faced are kind of the who's who. Joe mentioned a lot of them or a few of them, I should say, but there's one that immediately comes to mind. And I know we'll be able to connect with the casual wrestling fan right off the bat. You had a match with freshly squeezed orange Cassidy. Please talk to us about that. I know, You have a very dynamic personality yourself, but obviously Orange has got a lot of great stuff going on as well. Can you talk to us about that experience? Uh, Was it as fun as it seems, and would you do it again?
7: Oh, well, let me answer answer the second question first. I would absolutely do it again, and it seems like every time that we cross paths is at first wrestling in uh, Minneapolis, and that was the first time that I did wrestle Orange Cassidy. And actually, the first time I wrestled Orange Cassidy, it was completely unexpected because I knew I was going to have a match with him down the road. It ended up being he was a surprise guest for a show because of a late cancellation. So I ended up having the Uptown VFW Championship there for almost a year. It was actually one day shy when he came out, and that was our first match. And um, I ended up wrestling him a couple times throughout the course of the year. And I regained the championship back in August. And the thing I think that works so well is I guess I've always been known as a comedy guy through uh, my entire, you know, like career or at least having comedy matches or those are some of my most well-known antics. And recently I've kind of noticed that when I started, there wasn't a lot of characters involved. It was just mostly like, People were either uh, straight up wrestlers or trying to be real or whatever it was you want to look at. And I always try to go a different route and kind of have fun with it and play mind games with comedy. So now I've come to a stage where I've noticed wrestling shows have had more influx of different characters being like an Orange Cassidy or just wherever I've kind of been. And it's kind of weird to be on the other side of the fence now where I'm almost like the straight man to that style comedy just because of by default, which is very interesting. But I really think like the dynamic between the two of us, his laid back nature, my kind of like temperament, like it kind of complements each other. Well, as far as match wise and we've both been around for a while, so it, it really kind of blended perfectly.
1: Well, you know what? I know that being the guy that you are, you have a great reputation in the business. You probably could not be any happier for the success he's having up in AEW, right? I imagine that, like, you face a guy and then you see him going to that next level. I had a buddy today uh, named Devin who was like, hey, bro, I used to wrestle against Austin Theory uh, down in Atlanta just a couple of years ago. Now he's on WWE TV. Here in Kansas City, Shotzi Blackheart was a regular over at Journey Pro. We saw her in the audience just this past Monday. So I'm sure you feel the same way when you see a guy like Orange now being able to tie his trade on on, uh, one of the larger stages that pro wrestling has available uh, in North America.
7: Uh, one of the things I definitely have noticed, which is really cool, is I think because there's so many more options, I think a lot of guys are getting an opportunity. The A lot of different guys are getting an opportunity, and I think that is really cool, where if you would go back 10 years ago, you would not see certain types of characters, certain types of guys, certain types of build in some way, shape, or form on TV, and I think that's really cool, and I think that uh, certain people who have gotten a chance to kind of shine now, it, it's given a little bit more diversity to what's around. And I think it's really caused kind of a, even for a casual fan or maybe a non wrestling fan. Cause I see a lot of those up here where we have people that come to like our Wrestlepalooza events who they're not familiar with wrestling. They just know it's a good time and their favorites are generally the non-traditional wrestlers. And I think that's a cool thing. That,
1: that is a cool thing. And, and characters always been a big part of everything that you've done. Now, you have an incredible amount of athleticism. You got a great look. But I think it's that natural charisma and ability that gravitates people towards you. Uh, I know also another thing that gravitates people towards you is the name. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way before we throw it over to Jonesy. Baron Corbin, the name, obviously here in the Midwest immediately rings bells. It reminds us of Baron Corbin, who happens to be in the WWE. Everybody knows that. For those that have heard the story and the whole deal with the name, why don't you just lay that out for us real quick. How did the name come about, and does it have anything to do with that other guy?
7: Well, is that, you know, it's hard to say on the aspects of it, but you, I, I've kind of heard mixed things. But all I know, and this is the part I kind of want to share, uh, I was worried that when he hit TV that I might have to, like, Oh, hey, by the way, and I, and I kind of knew that like when it hit TV that people would be like, oh, did you know there's a guy named Darren Corbin, as if I haven't been around since '04. but... Uh, you have
1: been around since '04, damn it, 16 years in the game, respect that.
7: Exactly, but uh, just for the record, he has always been cool to me, uh, he's awesome, like, every time I've done extra work backstage, like... Uh, he's super cool and like we've always gotten along and we support each other and like that's the biggest thing. And like I'm super happy that he's killing it on TV too. So, you know, I guess what I always tell people is the more Corbin's the better. (laughs) So I guess that's how you can look at it.
1: Dude, there's no doubt about it. Have you ever gotten any like real heat from the fans on on Twitter? Because let let me tell you something, and I think you're going to appreciate this. Joe, I know you're going to get a laugh at this. So if you go to our Twitter account, which at this point we're 1,800 solid, not too bad for a, a blue collar podcast, Wrestle Talk podcast with Joe and Ray. Which, by the way, today's episode 299, in case you didn't notice. But we get a lot of heat, just like you, Darren, because people go, "Oh, look at these jackasses! They're just copying off the the real Wrestle Talk." And I'm like, "Wait a second! If I go back in our, our archive in Blog Talk Radio," This podcast has been doing shows since 2014. As far as I know, we've been around just as long, if not longer, as the Wrestle Talk over in the UK. So on Twitter, our uh, our handle is the Other Wrestle Talk. So we embrace it. We know people are going to talk shit, and you know what? We're not we're not even sweating it. But I'm curious, what's the funniest or craziest thing that has that has come across your desk because of the name?
7: Uh, let's see. I think the funniest thing I would have to come across is Missy Hyatt accidentally confused the two of us. And she tweeted something a long time ago, but accidentally tweeted it at me. And it said, while he's impressive or something, or while he looks good in his current role, he currently needs to do more than just 20 second squash matches and that's when Baron was just starting on NXT, NXT. and so I, kind of just, I just commented on it and I was like oh well I'm sorry I just, I guess I haven't got to showcase the world what I can do yet and so I just played along and she was like no harm to you well, she was super sweet about it she's like no harm to you it's just you know again you can't really judge a book by its cover until you see what they can do when they have more than like a minute long match and then people started filling her in but the cool thing was, at the end of it, she so she tweeted it. Somebody filled her in, and then she tweeted back at me, and she goes, "Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm sorry that I mixed you up." And then there was another tweet that came through, and she goes, "Weren't you the guy who did slow motion at Chikara?" And I was like,
8: <laughs> Sweet.
7: "So yeah, so yes. like that was, the, that was probably the coolest story out of the confusion." But like most people are like super cool with it, and like uh, you know when they see us interacting on Twitter, they really enjoy it, and like. Uh, one of the biggest things was is we took a photo not long ago, you know, and put that up. And, like, he's always super supportive of everything I do. So, like, I have no it, – it's awesome. Like, it's, I think it's cool. Like I said, more Corbins in the game.
1: The more Corbins, the better. Maybe, Jones, on that note, man, I want you to jump in here. I know you're real excited uh, to talk yes. to Darren, who's a national talent without question. I mean, uh, we heard Jeff earlier on mention him. And then, you know, Ricky mentioned Jeff as well. So Darren, as much as I would love to say he's just a a midwestern darling, no, 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 this guy's on a national scale. That's why he's had the opportunity to face some of the best up and coming stars in the business. I know you got some questions and some thoughts, man. Why don't you jump in right now?
2: I do. I I do. Uh, so when I was doing my my research. I see that, that, that you were in a match with a lady by the name of Jessica Havoc and I wanna know why Darren Corbin has a death wish. <laughs> well, I can give you the fill in.
7: So I was I started doing revolver not too long ago. I had been trying to find a way to get in and I was just doing a really I was just doing a couple scramble matches and then the opportunity came where Havoc uh, did an open challenge and I requested it actually Me? because I wanted to kind of show what I can do. And like a lot of people, again, being the style that I wrestle don't really know much about what I can do. And I'm put in like brawling situations, hardcore match situations. And I've known Havoc for a while. And obviously we're all well aware of what Jess can do, but I figured if I went out there and had a good like toe to toe fight with her, then it would get some attention for Revolver, which ultimately it did, which was awesome. But, uh, yeah, it unfortunately didn't go my way, but we definitely uh, we had a good little fight, which was for sure. And, uh, yeah, she is uh, – every little bit of hype that you hear about how big of, uh, you know, the kaiju queen that she is and everything, she she lives up to it. Yeah. She's tough. She's very tough. Yeah, absolutely. You know, hey, Joe, I was absolutely –
1: Joe, I want to I want jump in with a quick revolver story, if that's okay, mm-hmm. and a, a bunch of footage from uh, the last revolver show in Iowa before the shutdown. Uh, Darren, I know you'll appreciate this. I took my son, unbeknownst <laughs> to me, call me ignorant if you want. I took <laughs> my ten-year-old son to a revolver show, and uh, let's just say that he learned curse words that he didn't know yet. When <laughs> dude. Dude, it was effing nuts. Here's the image. Palmer and Killer Cross get in my 10-year-old son's face, and, and they're yelling at him, get over this barricade, and we'll beat your ass and your fat-ass dad's ass, too. Dude, it was a yeah. <laughs> moment. Dude, it was so good. So you you are rightfully eager to want to get in with Revolver, because they the shows that they do, dude, they are they It's like getting in a spaceship and going to a pro wrestling galaxy that nobody's ever been to before. So kudos to you, from me, the night owl, for getting on with Revolver because.
2: just about everybody, from Joey Ryan to uh, Cole Cabana to even Heidi Loveface, who who is uh, Ruby Riot in the uh, WWE, WWE. but the match that that really kind of uh, caught my eye, uh, you and one of your trainers, Eric Cannon, actually got to face the Young Bucks, so I was wondering what it was like to be a part of a super kick party. Oh gosh. Yeah. I
7: took plenty. Um, I'm guessing we're actually wrestled the Bucks on two occasions.
2: One was at Chikara and and one was was Dreamwave. uh, Dreamwave, the fight before Christmas in 2014.
7: Yes. And Dreamwave, uh, when we had that match, I, I'm trying to think how many super kicks I took. I think it might've been, (laughs) I think I got partied on about three or four, maybe five times. I can't remember, but, um, yeah, the, the funny thing was, is we've, we've had the match twice. The first time we had the match, uh, we were getting ready, me and Cannon were getting ready to, like, get psyched up, I guess. I don't know how to put it. We were just kind of thinking about, like, okay, here's the match. Here's what we're doing. What do we want to do? And somebody came back and was like, hey, guys, you're on next. And we're like, wait, what do you mean we're on next? And they're like, oh, yeah, the Bucks are going to the ring. You're on next. And I was like, isn't there another match? And they're like, no, that match is a minute long. So here we are trying to like get everything together and we're like, oh my God. So we're like we're throwing things together and like trying to get out there and like look cool, calm, and collected. And then the second time obviously we were a little bit more prepared. And that's definitely one of my matches I really enjoyed. That was super fun. I had a I had a really good time. And like the deal is is like I like wrestling those kind of matches because you know what to expect and you know who they are and you know what they do and they know what they do really well. So we can have a lot of fun with it. And that was ultimately like, that's what we ended up doing. Cause I always would do the joke where I would have the uh, horse head on and I would always put the horse on uh, horse head on to try and do some either like a headbutt or whatever, and I think I took a super kick in the horse head, and then like Nick Jackson put it on and made the tag. So like we had a lot of fun in that match, and and I think the fans really liked it. I know normally that's one of the ones that if people are like I liked your your stuff at Dreamwave,
2: it's mostly that match that comes up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that that's awesome. You know, just to be, just to be able to say that you face the uh, Young Bucks now. My last question before I throw it back to Renee, because I know he has a bunch more. Uh, you know, speaking of of Dreamwave, not only did you get to wrestle the Young Bucks, but then later on down the road, you actually got to wrestle your trainer, and not one but two matches. Like you, you wrestled Eric Cannon in a, a grudge match, and then in 2015, and then in 2016 you wrestled him again in a street fight. So how did, 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 did that uh, uh, come about? Was, was it one of those uh, teacher versus student things, or how did that match come about?
7: Well, what ended up happening is not too long ago, uh, you know, like I'd always been a tag wrestler, I guess, because like mm-hmm. North Star Express and other stuff, and then when Cruz. started, wasn't really traveling as much. They kind of paired me and Cannon up because they thought it would work, and then eventually just got to a stage where we were like, both of us just wanted to go our separate ways. And the funny part yeah. was like at the time, uh, mostly I was always the one kind of like ending the team or ending how it was going to work. Uh, this one actually turned on me uh, at Dreamwave, which led to the grudge match. And so when Deep Six became a faction. And then I was in with, like, Mustafa Ali's crew at the time. Uh, So it's normally uh, me always being the jerk and him being, like, the rah-rah, like, come party with me. But, yeah, it was him turning on me, which started that whole feud and led to those matches.
2: Wow. Wow. That is, is freaking awesome. All right, so, Renee, why don't you come in here with whatever questions that, that you have, sir?
1: Well, I do have a few more, um, but I want to make sure that I hit this before we move on. So, Darren, I know the quarantine has been tough for everybody, but particularly mercenaries like professional wrestlers. Can you tell tell us a little bit about what you've done to keep yourself
7: busy, to keep yourself productive during the quarantine? Yeah. um, It's actually been kind of fun. I've been staying fairly busy with a bunch of other stuff because I tried to find outlets and different ways to do things. Uh, I always do a lot of video editing and my web shows and everything, which has been kind of a challenge without wrestling because my show Snapchat is always generally about what's coming up for wrestling events. So I've been having to kind of scramble to think of new topics. And then I was like, well, I got some downtime. I might as well create some new shows, new content, just to keep having stuff coming out. And it was also a challenge for me to learn some new editing programs. And then I'm also trying to get more familiar with um, Photoshop. Get into that same aspect. I'm trying to get uh, new stuff rolling with the Patreon. So, I tried to do focus more on that. I tried to learn like zoom and be able to uh, do, you know, stuff with zoom, which ultimately led to me helping a company teach a distance learning program is what I ended up doing. And I ended up getting that set up. So I've actually been super busy helping with some of the online stuff that goes on, but it's really been interesting. Um, The one thing that I've also noticed is I started doing like DDP yoga again, more frequently, And I don't know if it's just my body's like, Oh, by the way, you're not killing me every weekend, but like the amount of flexibility I've regained and like my shoulders feel better and my back feels better. So, I mean, like, I guess if I have to look at positives, it's been really nice to kind of like give my body a relaxation and been able to still challenge myself creativity with uh, some creative uh, outlets. So it's been really nice in that sense, but I definitely, I realize how much of a, like uh, a stress reliever, it is. How much of an outlet it is, and like I guess it's cool to be like, well, after 16 years, I still it. it's just Like I still want to do it all the time. So I'm really looking forward to when things get back to normal. Uh, I don't know when that will be. Um, I think everyone's kind of got a, you know their own opinion on when wrestling shows should run, but uh, it's kind of hard to kinda judge that right now. But I'm just kind of looking, taking things one week at a time, and just trying to like stay active on other things, which have come in handy for me, especially. And I think I'll be able to use it also or utilize it when wrestling. Back up. No yes. doubt
1: about it. Now, for those that, that follow you uh, adamantly on your social media and, and through your uh, through your blog, do you know when you will be back in action? Have you gotten any confirmation as far as when you're going to be back in the ring?
7: You know, I, I honestly don't. I got, you know, I feel bad about it because, like, I have a couple things that are on my schedule that, you know, I like the big thing is I was hoping, like, June would pick back up and then Russell Wrestlepalooza got postponed. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, like, some placeholders and being like, well, will stuff happen in July? Will stuff happen here? And um, the other thing, too, is, like, I mean, this is not a knock or a judge on anybody if they're running, but, like, here's my deal, there's a couple things where I look at certain promotions, and I think it's pretty well documented that sometimes on the indie level, certain promotions are not the most, like, sanitary conditions. I mean, like, you've seen where shows run, you've seen where shows happen, and, like, you can definitely tell when it's, uh, when it's like, production, quality, you know, staff, whatever, to make things look. You just know that different feeling. And so for me, I guess the, the biggest thing is, is if I'm going to look back especially like locally and be like okay this is what's going to make me jump in i think some parameters have to be put in place uh, with the more knowledge that we have of what's going on well i i've had a couple things where i'm like well if this happens in july it could
5: but honestly
7: i just kind of assume my schedule right now is just kind of all up in the air and i think kind of what would be a safe bet is when first wrestling starts running again or like a freelance starts running because those are the most consistent uh, uh, promotions that I wrestle for. So I would say if those come about, that would probably be where I would be kind of using as like, oh, I'm going to get back into the swing of things here. But as of right now, I have no idea what my next show is going to be.
1: Dude, well, that's sad. But at the same time, it's very encouraging because it sounds like You want things to go back to normal, and the best way to do that is to respect social distancing, to wear a mask, stay away from mass gatherings, and we're going to get wrestling back, hopefully sooner rather than later, but I'll tell you what, man, after speaking with Jeff Manning and Ricky and you, I'm just so ready for it to be back, but let's be mature about this, guys. Let's not do it too soon, because we don't want to risk people's health. So, I have two parts for you before we move into tonight's Wrestle Talk Podcast game show challenge, uh, Darren. And here it is. The first one is from a fan, and they want to know what it was like to work against Cesaro, uh, oh, AKA Claudio. And uh, the second part is a question from me uh, I know that you hail from the great state of Minnesota. Uh, we've been doing all 50 states. There was a lot less wrestling a couple of weeks ago. So we figured we'd talk to everybody, at least one person, in some cases two people, from each state in all 50 states of the United States. And we know you're originally from Minnesota. So how was it wrestling, Cesaro? And how can you describe your upbringing and wrestling in the great state of Minnesota?
7: So my match with Cesaro was definitely one that I was looking forward to having because it was like a bucket list match. Because back in 06, I had a match with the Kings of Wrestling in a tag match, which I think ultimately kind of put my name out there a lot more with the North Star Express because the North Star Express-Kings of Wrestling match did a lot for me. Uh, So I was really looking forward to this match with Cesaro. And the thing is, is what happened, so he is by far one of the strongest individuals I've ever been in a match with. Uh, I mean, like, he's so strong, pound for pound, super strong, uh, which is obvious by the stuff he does in the ring. But, in that match, very early on, uh, so, we're doing something, 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 he dropped an elbow, and he got me, like, you know, it, it wasn't anything bad, he just got me, like, kind of in the side, and I just remember, like, it knocked all the air out of me. <clears throat> so, it's was kind of like, Ooh, okay, and he proceeds to kind of like work over my my uh, like rib cage and like abdomen and everything just because that's what he's doing. And somebody and like I always get a lot of compliments on this match where they're like, dude, that match. Like it. it looks like you took such a beating. It looks like you're in pain. It looks like you're and I'm like, kind of am for like the majority of the match. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> Keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> it just it was like that thing, You have that one thing happen, and it 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 gets you. And it wasn't like that. It's not like he broke a rib. It wasn't like anything like that. It was just something got me just in the right spot, and it was because it all affected how I was breathing that I just felt it all the time throughout the match, and I knew I just had to keep going because I didn't want to like let him down or let anybody down. So I just kept going. And it was just like, Ooh. so I felt like it was like this genuine like feeling of being like, oh, he looks like he's hurt, probably because he is, but it's still a match I'm really happy about. I actually haven't watched it for a long time, but uh, that, in a, in a long time, sorry, but like that's one that I would like to check out again. Uh, as for wrestling in Minnesota, the nice thing is is I, I always say that I got kind of right in at the right time, and the promotion that I wrestled for uh, when I started, always did Sunday shows, and like that's where I met Cannon, and because of who I met I was able to make a lot of connections right off the bat. That's how I got the connections to Chikara. That's how I got connections to IWA. And a lot of it had to do with me wanting to get in the car and traveling. To Canada. But the thing that was really cool t- about Minnesota is Minnesota has always been pretty consistent with having a couple of promotions around. And I think everyone was kind of clicky when I started. So when my promotion closed, there wasn't a lot that's going on, and most of the places just run the Twin Cities area, you know, Minneapolis-St. Paul, whereas now you have this issue where if you count semi-regular promotions, you have about, like, eight or nine or ten in Minnesota that run on a semi-regular basis. But before it was very clicky. Now there's a lot of shared talent on a certain amount of shows. But, like, I always thought it was valuable to be, like, you... In an extent, I wrestle for a handful of companies, but I don't want to wrestle every single weekend here because there's I didn't want to bring myself out. So that's why I like traveling, which is good for me. But in the whole element, when I first started, there was like a weird thing where we were like the cruiserweight promotion. And like people didn't like me because I was small. Or when I started traveling, people were like, Oh, he's only getting out because he follows, uh, he rides Eric Cannon's coattails. Like, no one wanted to give me credit for what I was doing. And it hey, took it a long time. Yeah, it took a long time. Yeah. But what happened is, is you end up realizing that the longer that you're around or the more things you do or whatever it is, uh, people will eventually just kind of switch. Or I, I won't say like you win them over. No, you just like, they change their tune. They're, they're you know, they're onto something else. And like, The thing was, is I always used to get a lot where, when I started, people would always be like, oh, you're wrestling? Do you know, like, AWA? Do you know all this stuff? And and that was always what was referenced to me. Like, people in the crowd, like, would come up to me and be like, oh, you know, like, I liked your match. Are you familiar with, like, Baron Von Raschke? Are you familiar with, like, uh, Ganya and everything? I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, my grandparents used to watch, and and my grandma used to watch, you know, so, like, that reference still always comes up today where I'll be at a show and somebody will be like, they'll take their kids and then the dad will be like, you know, I haven't really gone to one of these since the AWA, you know, since I used to run, you know, downtown Minneapolis. And I was always like, Oh, well, cool. I hope you're having a good time or your kids are having a good time. And, you know, I get it. Wrestling changes and all that stuff. But here in Minnesota, it's pretty much been kind of a rotating, like there's always been a handful of promotions and the nice thing in the past couple of years has been that the emergence of wrestle blues and first wrestling has really stood out, which is awesome. Uh, a promotion called heavy on that I wrestled for up in Duluth has formed a niche up there. So like these promotions have really started to come into their own, but again, you know, at least somebody's doing something different now because before it was like still using the, the same talent or running the same style shows or the same storylines. Now it's, Different, which is good, and again, with that branch out that we need. So, Minnesota's, I think, just kind of in a variation of what I've noticed. that when I talk about it, how every you know, like a Chicago has that, like you probably even noticed that, right. it's not, you know, kansas City, St. Louis, how there's different, and, and I think that's just up here. But, uh, you know, I got in at the right time, I got in at a point where I could get trained. Uh, I had good trainers, and then I could use that knowledge to go and get uh, bookings and make connections, which really, really helped me. So I always say I'm very lucky I started when I did.
1: Absolutely, man. And you're talking about going all the way from the Pacific Northwest to the, to the uh, Midwest and really all across the nation. That is a talent. When I talk about Darren Corbin, that needs to be recognized as a guy that is well-respected, not in a specific region, but across the country. So that said, Darren, here's what I want to play into a little bit, and I hope you will oblige. At the end of every show, we do what is called the WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. And here is where we get your competitive juices flowing as you go one-on-one in a trivia challenge against yours truly, the night out in what we call the WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. I know you're not one to back down, but the question is, are you ready to go toe to toe?
7: Alright, I'm as ready as I'm gonna be.
1: Let's do it. Josie, take it away <laughs>
2: All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's installment of the world-famous Restor Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Tonight's contest is scheduled for the best two out of three falls. Our contestants are Daniel Corbin and the night owl Renee Martinez. In a few moments, I will ask you three questions about a particular professional wrestling topic. Whenever you think you know the answer, just shout out your answer. The first person to win two falls will win tonight's Game Show Challenge. So in honor of tonight's guest and the proud professional wrestling tradition in the state of Minnesota, tonight's Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge category is simply titled the AWA. I will give you information <laughs> about three famous professional wrestlers who competed in the AWA, when you think you know who I'm talking about, just shout out your answer. The first person to win two falls will win tonight's contest. So, for example, if I were to say, before this man became one of the most recognizable faces of professional wrestling in the 1980s in the WWF, this wrestler competed in the the AWA. Upon leaving the AWA, he would quickly win the WWF World Championship from the Iron Sheik and the world of professional wrestling would never be the same. Name him.
0: Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect. No. 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 Hulk Hogan. Not Mr. Perfect.
2: Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan Who is, is what correct. Did nobody hear me? I did. Dan ah. Corbin did get that right. So therefore, so now you all know how the game show is going to go. So the next question is, gentlemen, are you ready? Yes. All right. I'm ready,
1: but let me say two things. Shout out to uh, Texas Wrestling Academy's head trainer, uh, Rudy Boyd-Gonzalez. Somebody tag him, please. Please, please. Somebody tag Rudy Gonzalez. Uh, Thank you for being here on the broadcast, bro. We love the fact that you always support us. This guy has uh, trained Maverick. He trained Hernandez. He trained Daniel Bryan. Uh, worked alongside Shawn Michaels for many, many years. So shout out to Rudy Boy Gonzalez in uh, Melvin checking us out from the great city of Kansas City. But I'm ready to go. And number two, you had to pick the topic is about Minnesota Nightmare Joe. I mean, seriously, you want to talk about hedging your bet and stacking the against against some uh, the deck against somebody? I mean, the guy's from Minnesota, obviously. This is the topic you decided to choose. I see how you like to roll, Nightmare Jones. I feel like you're setting me up. That's all I got to say.
2: I would never set you up, sir. Never, never, never would I set you up. Anyways, so, all right, question number one.
1: Nightmare Jones, you're a liar. And here's all I got to say about you saying that you would never set me up. you liar.
0: Fucking bullshit. All right.
2: Let's get on with it. All right. So, question number one. This wrestler began his career as the protege of Bruno Sammartino in the WWWF. He went on to capture many championships, including the NWA Wrestling States Heritage Championship in 1988, the AWA World Heavyweight Championship twice in 1989, and the 1990 WCW World Tag team championship with On Anderson in
7: 1991. <laughs> I got Larry Zabisco. No.
2: Larry Zabisco is correct. Dalen Corbin has gotten the first point. He, that was a good guess, Renee. Eh? That was very good because On Anderson let, did that. Uh, uh,
1: Larry Zabisco is from Minnesota, right? What else
2: is there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yes, he is. From Minnesota. You would be correct. All right. Question number two. All right. This 2016 Hall of Famer is from Borjo, Texas. He was considered by many to be a legend in Japanese wrestling. In addition to countless championships in Japan, he is remembered for his many reigns as WCW, United States Champion, and running over the AWA World Heavyweight Championship with his truck and breaking Bruno San Martino's neck with his Lariat clothesline. That's That's correct. Baron Corbin has gotten two correct. Uh Uh-oh. So Baron Corbin has technically won, but for a chance and giggles, we're going to go ahead and do question number three. So are you gentlemen ready? All right. Am I ready? This is-, is that
1: what you're asking me, Nightmare Jones? Oh
2: God. No God!
0: No God! Please no! 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 Maybe- no! Oh. Oh my God. This is
2: 2004. <laughs> WWF slash WWE Hall of Famer has never won a major singles championship, but won the AWA World Tag Team Perfect. Championship. Perfect. No. Mr. Perfect. No, with the late Adrian Adonis. After his professional wrestling career, he went to become one of the greatest broadcasting personalities in the WWF and WCW. He is also known for being. In- yes, yes. You finally got one. The night out with Neymar finally gets one. He doesn't get swept out. Darren Corbin, here he is. Your music for winning the Rest of Talk Podcast Game Show
0: Challenge. All I do is win, win, win No matter what Got money on my I can never get And every time I step up in the building Everybody And they stay there And they
2: and I of, course, you know,
0: Renee, of course,
2: you know. Of course, you know when they you get your music too. So all I
0: gotta say is
1: this: they always set me up. If this challenge would have been about tacos, if it would have been about Red Dead Redemption, I would have been in there like swimwear. But they set me up. Skywalker and Jones
0: set me up like
1: all I'm tired of. It.
2: Are you done? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm done.
1: I'm done. <laughs> uh, Darren, you're, you're such a great sport, man. And your, your personality shines through. And, and honestly, I know that just as much as you're looking forward to getting back to doing what you love inside the squared circle, the fans feel exactly the same way about seeing you back in the ring, man. Any message you want to deliver – to the uh, ginger snap faithful out there that are anxious to see you back inside the wrestling ring?
7: Oh, well, hopefully it will be sooner than later. uh, And I look forward to it as well. I think it's going to be fun when everything goes back to normal.
1: And it absolutely is. Joe, any final thoughts uh, for Derek Corbett, man? What, What an absolutely awesome guest.
2: Oh, man, you know, it was absolutely awesome to have you on show. Uh, please do not be a stranger and promise that you will come back on to the show once again. (laughs) Well, let's see what happens. Let's see what we can shake down.
1: Hell, yeah. And anytime you're bored and you want to talk some shit, you know where to go, right, Darren?
7: Sounds like I got a place.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right, baby. Episode 299 of the Wrestle Talk Podcast. And guess what? Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, next week, Derek Stone and a Ring of Honor personality. Darren, before you go, man, any shout-outs or any social media information you want to drop on the listeners of the Talk podcast?
7: So I'm on Twitter at Darren Corbin, same thing as on Instagram. I have my YouTube channel, which is Darren Corbin TV, and then also I have a Patreon, which is just Darren Corbin or patreon.com back, uh, backslash Darren Corbin, where I do exclusive content uh, there, and I do a lot of Q and A stuff as well on that uh, for my Patreons. Cool. With, with,
1: with Joe, before you jump in here, let me just say this and we didn't even cover this tonight, Darren. The stuff that you're doing on social media. Uh, and what I mean by social media is your your show uh, via Patreon, and I think it's all, some of the episodes are available on YouTube. It's innovative shit. You've developed, like, a character to interview your character, and it's one of the mm-hmm. greatest things I've ever seen. So make sure you guys look up Derrick Corbin. Even if you think he sucks as a wrestler, which, of course, he's freaking awesome, just the stuff that he does and some of the skits that he's been able to put together, are worth you guys giving him a follow. Darren, thank you for entertaining us during the quarantine, bro. We love you. You stay safe and welcome as the newest member of the WrestleTalk family.
7: Thanks again for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it, man. You have a good night. Josie.
2: Thank you, so Thank you, thank you, thank you. Peace. Yep, have a good yeah. night. Yeah, you too. Adios. No, no you know, Jones, we did what it. What you me- think about me- that, good. man? Man, we made it to episode 299. This was an absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing episode. I can't wait to see what episode 300 brings. You know what what what's happening on episode 300, but the other they don't know. They don't know what what Nightmare Jones has in store for episode 300. But you do. You know. Oh, you know. Oh,
1: it's good. It's gonna be so good. And you guys heard it. We might have Marty Elias joining us in a couple of weeks. And you know what? We may just have Ricky Mandel back and talk to us about facing Matt Hardy a couple of years ago at CWFH. So you know what? We're going to continue to produce the pro wrestling entertainment here on the Talk Podcast. Uh, prayers and well wishes again to the family of Hannah from Stardom. Chad, uh, formerly of Crime Time, uh, who recently passed away. And, again, the Owen Hart documentary um, Yeah. I saw today absolutely spoke to me. I don't know. Maybe that's the next episode of The Graveyard Shift. What I can tell you for sure is that the FWWC Tonight is coming up this Friday, uh, an hour and a half of nothing but fantasy wrestling content. Make sure you guys look them up over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com forward slash fantasy wrestling. Thank you to all our sponsors, all of our callers. Uh, we had people from seven different states in two different countries on the show tonight. Joe, if that doesn't speak volumes about what the Wrestle Talk podcast is doing, the other Wrestle Talk podcast is doing, I don't know what does, man. Why don't you give us your closing statement and close this show out tonight? Because next week is episode 300, baby. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we just want to thank you for for taking time out of your schedule and listening to us and supporting us. Uh, Without you, this podcast would not be where it is today. And for that, ladies and gentlemen, we say thank you. Until next week, episode 300. This is Night Owl. This is Nightmare Jones. And we are saying peace.
0: Shout out to Jeff. Shout out to the Richmond band And of course, shout out to Eric Forbe. Some good news for coming up on the show. And by the way, Jeff Bennett, you're a good dude. Um, the veteran With wrestlers, and the cauliflower Out Club, they're doing their thing in December. Make sure you check them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I love
1: Podcast.com love you guys. Thank you for supporting us. Grab your podcast plug at forward slash murder or just shoot us a TF. Thank you guys, man. Hey. No hear
0: my me,